the psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own hidden symbols and messages as well as all the lyrics of all the top rock songs. And they all sing the same refrain. It's This is a special question. We don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana, some call it sensimedia, some call it lamb's bread, and some people call it... Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. I am your host, Adam Dunn. And I'm your co-host, Mitch Janasa. And we are actually... We actually we got an intern. Yeah, well, we, you're not even going to introduce the kid. The, the kid. The kid no, but hey, you're just going to call me intern from now on? No, you're the champ. Just you're, intern? You're the champ. We're, we're talking about you we last. Just, we put you last. No, we got the champ here, and and with no mic is uh, the intern. Oh, I guess he does have. A no, mic. he doesn't need a mic. He's just an intern. No, we have. A Leave mic. it. We're breaking him down. You can't oh, yeah. start building him up. Oh yeah, don't break don't him. start building him up for, before first, he's ready. You gotta keep breakdown. breaking him down. No, that's right. We'll start the breakdown. Oh, the method. Uh. The method is not strong with the champ. <sighs> he has never. He. I know you're giving him a mic. I don't understand why you're doing that. He had to go through it. I had to give my seat up. Remember? Yes. Yes, I remember. It was bad. It was bad those days. Before you had your own mic. But right. now here's... Actually, it was worse once he had his mic. Now we have our own intern. Oh. Now we have our own intern. We have dogs roaming. Kyle, the we intern. Have, we have shark dogs roaming the yeah. studio now. Just to keep it safe on patrol. A.K.A. the kids. The kids' uh, abode. We got uh, Sonny Chiba and Odie Diesel coming through later today. Just to stop... So we have a full studio? By, yeah. Well, full full living room, as full, it were. Yes. This, yeah, living. I have a hard time with that one. Um, the new studio is, of course, coming it's along. A, it's Kyle, the intern, is helping. If we're at an Airbnb, it's a studio. Yeah. If it's, yeah, it doesn't matter where we are. It's the studio at that moment. Right, champ, kid? you really don't need to give champ? him a mic. Well, but we have guests. No, we need yeah, that's we true. We'll make him share it. We'll make him get up. We need the mic. Well, there'll be two mics because I won't be here. So we'll have my mic too. Oh wow! Did you hear how salty he made that sound? Wow, he's not gonna be here. Oh no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm oh, salty. No. I get to go press Rosin all day. Fuck yeah! All right, Kyle, the intern. Say hi to the people. Hey there, people. Nope. Well, Closer to no. the mic. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. Not yet. Not yet. We good now? No. No. You should be good now. We good now? No. 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 I don't know. I don't hear him. Really? I don't hear him. Yeah. Let's see. Let me put my headphones back on. Uh, check some lives. Uh, go ahead, Kyle, the intern. Talk. Introduce yourself to the people. Hey, I'm Kyle the Intern. Get closer, get closer, get closer. Make love with the mic. Make love. Oh, you know what? Oh. You the the there we, there we go. Let me, let me, let me boost That's how you have to do. You have to get in there. Yeah, closer than you think. Closer than you think. Just into Here the comes. uncomfortable. That's why closer. I need a beard like this. beard. I have like perfect whiskers. I can tell. Like, mm. Is that touch. better? Can you, yeah, you have to be like right. Oh, let me make sure you're actually even in the right. Right zone. Oh, my oh. God. Talking it. to the wrong side of the mic, intern. Way to make rookie oh. Now mistakes. it should sound better. Holy yeah. shit. Oh. Don't scream in the mic, intern. Oh. That's better. Slow down. It's better. Slow okay. the fuck down. All right. Easy. So we uh, yeah, we, we actually, we, it was like, what, two days ago we interviewed? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're quick. We're quick. Why we're wasn't quick. I part of this process? Because we didn't need you. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if the kid likes the intern or not. I no, like we, you. Intern. We knew you were going to be salty because we know you don't like anyone else who shows up in the picture. I know yeah, I do. Yeah. As long as Murphy you're not Murray. taking my spot, no, Grunchy. I know. I didn't like either <laughs> of them. They're useless individuals. And hold on. And how accurate was I about all three of those people? Okay. Oh. Anyway, can we talk about the show we got today? It's not because none of those three people have anything to do with the show anymore. Because I'm about them as uh, character judge. That's the reason why. Uh, but okay. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we got the intern in here to stay. 
He's going to be around. He, many of you guys will hopefully be interacting with him. We are looking for one more intern still. Don't, Someone who can do, do like technical, well, social like media, gr- yeah, and graphics. Graphics, graphics guys. Kyle's going to be like our studio intern who's going to settle everyone in the green room, bring the guests up, just keep things flowing nicely, make sure nothing falls between the cracks. But we need someone who can do that for social media. Essentially, production manager would what that would be. Yeah, but a manager and intern are sort of the opposite well, <laughs> in terms of yeah. How but none of us get paid, are. so we're all interns. You're an intern. You're an intern we're for all life. interns. You're an yeah. intern. We don't get paid. Oh, we get paid lots. I know. Yeah, me and Mitch are loaded. Right? Adam, don't yeah. show cards. Adam, you, you, you want to go race our Maseratis later? I know. My, uh, well, we could take the jet I'm and just for, use the ones in Monaco. I was waiting for my new titanium uh, American Express card to show up. Hold on. So. Speaking <laughs> of, just because you said Maserati, just really quickly, you what? hear how they were removing like all of those Confederate pieces of art in New Orleans and moving them to a park. So they <laughs> with <laughs> my dogs were banging, um, reverse banging in New Orleans. It's only because you said Maserati. Just remember that. But in New Orleans, there was so a. Const- Gabe, so Gabe drove that spider the other day. Really? Yeah. The spider's nice. Unless if it's a Toyota, it's not like an MR2. No. Like All right. How about we? How about we bring it back anyway, to the show? Speaking this of spiders, guy's got his Lamborghini, his two hundred fifty thousand dollars Lamborghini lit on lit on fire, lit <laughs> lit on fire by the whole community because he was hired to remove these Confederate pieces of art and move them to a park, nice. and they destroyed his two hundred fifty thousand dollars Lamborghini. Nice. Fuck, man. We'll give him one of ours. It's lit on fire. Just, I they mean, they it, said they the only it. thing that could prove that that was still a car was the chassis and the frame, like wow. and the engine. Like wow. nothing else was wow. left. They did it with a Bic. They did it with a Bic. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. Just a Bic lighter. Yeah. And I mean, that you well, isn't that some news? The picture has a hundred people just around do the you car. Have, do you like, have news, news, news? Bic lighter. Are we ready for news, news, news? Yes. No, well, I don't well, know. Banter for forty-five seconds. Banter. Yeah, you didn't much ask banter. How's your week? How's your week? How's your week? How's your week? Well, I thought we were going to line up the episode, but we'll do how's your week. It was the last. Okay, we're at the last week of January. So fast, I can't believe it. So we're moving into the new studio next week. Pretty much, like two weeks, I think it'll be because next week we're not going to be around, are we? Right, next week we are. Yes, going we to are. Be. No, we're not. Well, we absolutely are. I mean, we don't. I don't leave until Thursday. When no, do you that's leave? True, that's true. Uh, I leave Thursday. Wednesday night. Like right we're not after doing the show, the show there. We're not doing the show there. Where? In the new studio next week. No, anyway. no. The new the oh, show we're getting, next week. We we'll get internet though today. Nice. Yeah. So let's keep it moving here. Maybe we, we are can. getting internet. Down and Sunday um, of next week, we're gonna have a special podcast. We will. We will announce more of that later on this show. Yes, definitely. Thanks for that. So keep tuned in, though. No, that, no, that's called a teaser. No, so you say, listen, we're going to have something special. you got to keep tuned in wow. to the end of the show to hear it. I think what they're tuned in to hear is the organic IPM stuff yeah, from fine. Build the Soil, Clackamas oh, Coo, Arbico Organics. We're so happy I'm not going to be here today. I know. You're going to fall asleep <laughs> if you are. <laughs> I mean, here's last week we did the Guardian episode. I think we pissed a lot people of, the fuck off. A lot of people... <laughs> We're well, hoping we could get the Guardian guys in the crosshairs and give them to. a bunch of hell, we but we to. We tried. they were too smart. They did not fall for our trap. No. We said we wanted to give them a chance to explain themselves, but they understood there was no valid explanation, so they ran and hid like the cowards they are. But rather than focus on how terrible those guys are, we figure let's focus on some positivity. What are some good solutions that we can use so we don't have to use Guardian in our gardens? Uh, what can we do? Uh, so we brought back some of our favorites, of course, Jeremy from Build the Soil. Uh, the legendary Clackamas Coot. And Jeremy actually was able to bring in uh, Ariana from Arbico Organics, who are the leading supplier of, uh, you know, bugs that kill bad bugs. Nice. Uh, so we're going to be talking insect control. We're going to be talking about essential oil controls. We're going to get deep on it. And then, of course, there's dog fighting. So <laughs> if you want to win a pack of Bodhi seeds, like it's not you need to pick which dog is going to win. 
And uh, yes. first person to pick the dog that wins. First dog that impregnates the other dog. Yeah, the right. first dog that bangs the other dog, <laughs> if you call that right, you'll get a pack of Bodhi yeah. seeds. Yeah. Speaking of packs of seeds, hopefully everyone received theirs from last week. We will be doing more Bodhi giveaways this week. Uh, Bodhi's been really gracious and sponsored us with a lot of giveaways to give out to people. So I want to honor the man's damn wishes. Nice. Uh, on that note, you ready with the NNN? Indeed am. Let's, let's do N-N-N. it. NNN. Is that what it's going to be referred to as now? Nine Hashtag NNN. I don't, don't, don't like it. News! 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 Local and federal law. Yeah, the dogs love news news. And he finishes his dad. Yep. Oh my God! He's dropping the car and cap, and he melts the cat. It's okay. A so this is why we need a studio. This is also. This is also why the dogs. This way, dogs should be in all. all yeah. This is why dogs and studios don't go well. Okay. So if anyone uh, had that, the dogs would bang Sonny Chiba first. They won the pack of Bodhi seeds. We were actually wrong. I saw some penetration. Man. Yes, that was some that was some leg humping. We got Sunny uh, Chiba and Odie Diesel uh, in the, the studio. The dogs are now going to be taken out of the room. I think. I think yeah. it's over. I think oh, it's the over. dogs are done. So if anyone put that the dogs were going to hump Sunny first, I know that wasn't one of the options I gave. You guys want a pack of Bodhi seeds? No, nope, uh, dogs are staying. Are we just gonna? I'm just gonna read the news and pretend that there aren't dogs and breeders. Intermingling in the corner of the room. We're not even dog breeders. That's the worst part. That is so weird, right? <laughs> Do you think dog breeders hang out like this? Do you think there's an Adam Dunn show equivalent in the dog I breeding bet. world? It must be really yes. weird because they're all talking about jerking off their dogs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. So how do you jerk your dog off? Like, well, ow, I usually do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Get some music on. News, you know, news, news. Nice mellow. News, news, news. <laughs> more than two seconds before I sit down. Can I put my headphones back on? Well, you don't even. Please? You're not even here, dude. We talking about. Dog butts in the Oh, shop. man. Ten minutes into the show. Oh we're getting it God. together. No. And then we have dog lovers. This is the worst part. Yeah, because they, they don't... Yeah, don't yeah. start loving the dogs, please. Yeah, these dogs are only <laughs> subject to hate. That's how they're kept disciplined. <laughs> you have to yell at them. Raw meat and gunpowder. Local and federal law enforcement raid Lazy Lion Marijuana Club. I sounded way too happy about thank that. God. Uh, thank what? God. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, no, uh, you want dude, shops dude, getting no, shut down? No, I don't want any of the other shops in the spring shut down. The guys who run the Colorado Lazy Lion run it like an idiot. Various local and federal law enforcement agencies have converged on the Lazy Lion Smoke Club in Colorado Springs' Knob Hill neighborhood. Crews at the scene say, I knew you were going to laugh at that. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Hey, it's dog. like doing a show with Beavis and Butthead sometimes. <laughs> Crews at the scene say the El Paso County Sheriff's Office is there, along with the FBI and IRS. A search warrant is being executed and is part of what officials are calling an ongoing investigation. A News 5 investigation in late 2014 discovered money-changing hands in exchange for marijuana. The club says its members were simply reimbursing the club. Law enforcement said at the time that whether it was a direct sale or reimbursement, it didn't matter in the eyes of the law. In December of 2014, police said they were investigating the club. Since our investigation, the Lazy Lions attorney has told News 5 that he's seen the reimbursement model hold up in court. He, he called it a loophole in the law. It's uh, not good when your lawyer refers to something as a loophole. That is a sign that you got your Saul Goodman. Listen, that guy, it's not just the FBI that's there. It was heavy with IRS agents as well. I said IRS. So... Guy, Are you about to say something that we don't want to say on the show? No, it no, sounds no. like what you're. No, about, I'm not going to say. Anything sounds like you're wanna, setting up to say something that. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything that we don't want to say on the show. What I am saying is that 
We are trying to make a legitimate industry and really legitimize the cannabis market here in Colorado, not to mention in these other states. I'm all for these cannabis clubs. I'm all for um, pretty much the hood lab. You know, that that is a cannabis club if you ask because me. Because we didn't sell weed there. You, you don't go there to sell, sell fucking weed. Right. You're not Nobody pushing. ever sold weed at hood lab. That's right, for sure. Right. You're no. not there. You can't go Never up to the bar happened. and. No, no but no. But, no, but what I'm saying yeah. is you can't go up to a bar at the hood lab and say, I want to buy a gram of right. hood labs blue sure. dream. So. You're upset no. with them for skirting the dispensary procedures. They that, didn't get the license. They're not paying the exactly. taxes. Exactly, and a lot of us have worked really hard to have to get that stuff. That's so true. that's one thing. And then the second thing is they're not keeping tax records of that. Right. So that's why the IRS is there because they're so going to be people who like sell crazy. pot and don't pay taxes are bad. Wrong. It's not what I'm saying. Uh -huh. But if that's what he wants to do, don't make a fucking public pot club out of it. Stay in your black market and do what you do. Don't. Don't, don't try to make don't it blur the lines, you're saying. right? Because it's we're, we're trying to really push that we want this to work, and this is just one thing that, in the eyes of the law, is going against us in our favor. And we don't news, want news, it against news. our favor. We want it to be, uh, you know, yeah. In our well, favor. it's true. It's definitely true. But I mean, take it's also, the moderate stance. They're, Do they're it. Taking, Adam. They're taking a little heavy-handed on this one, I think. As far as I heard, ATF was there too. I know. It's like mm. does he have guns? Those, those dudes have been known to flex with some guns on some social media. Did they find any guns? I don't know the details of the. You would have heard about it. I think 3D printer was just right there, rocking out, just yeah. like a tw -tw -tw -tw, making a like a RPG Arsenal. or something. <laughs> They're literally just grabbing them off and shooting them till they're empty. <laughs> they're grabbing news, them. News, 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 news. Can the cannabis nuns of California save medical marijuana? No. Those, I look, those, they're pretty funny, though. Did you see this? I, I, I saw the video. I this? pulled it up. I saw the video. The weed looked terrible, though. They're Sister doing... Kate calls herself an accidental nun. At age 16, she tried marijuana for the first time inside a friend's I'd, I'd car. Get, I'd get weed off of her just to say I got weed off of her. Yeah, I, I think their marketing is solid, dude. I'd buy nun Crush weed. it. Crush it. Also, they don't pay any taxes. Right, they should, get religious Bodhi, they should get Bodhi on board. They would kill. Yeah, it. if Bodhi and nuns put out seeds oh, together, everyone would have to respect that would them. Be by so default. good. No trimming would be ever be required. You'd be like, "Why would you trim it?" You'd be like, "No problem. It's good. I'm good." It's I'm God good. bless this I don't weed. Need, yeah, Obviously. God bless and trim. Have fun. So you me. can find <laughs> them at Sisters of the Valley on Instagram. Uh, they're big Bernie Sanders fans. It turns out Bernie. Bainey. Bainey. Kate, a vegan and former resident of Amsterdam who wrote a book of sex tips do you know for her, men. Adam? I don't know. Kate. I bet you do. She's a nun now. A nun who wrote a book about sex. You probably know all the vegans in Amsterdam. No. I don't no. know all of them. Are there a lot of them? Yeah. Let me see her. Let me see her photo. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. She, they look like... Uh, that might be her. That's her nun. I don't know. They all look like nuns, buddy. All right, news, news, news. This one is, uh, again, seen, not a news if story. If she had some glow sticks in her hand, I might recognize her. Yeah, exactly. Her. I don't recognize her. <laughs> That's her. That's definitely her. I remember her. What's that? Hey, news, 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 This one from Fortune, and I saw the story in a couple places. Marijuana photos on Instagram could cost you big, but it's totally worth it, so post them and hashtag them ADSI 2016. A six-digit fine and jail time, to be exact, though. Really? Instagram users who post pictures of themselves smoking marijuana could unknowingly be getting themselves into a lot of trouble. As marijuana laws get looser around the country, the trend is becoming more and more prevalent. And though Instagram guidelines prohibits people from posting, quote, unlawful photos and other content, users are posting the pictures fast, faster than the site can take them down. Even though 23 states have legalized medical marijuana and four states have legalized recreational marijuana, Marijuana remains illegal federally, said former Drug Enforcement Administration agent 
Patricia DeOrsa, DeHumico, DeHumico, Fox. He's so salty <laughs> today. <laughs> Fucking salt. Though the consequences could be different depending. Do you have to flush your plants more, kid, when you grow because of the salt that you put into salt. everything? Yeah. So uh, I, I though the to... consequences could be different depending on where you are. Social media strategist Shannon Self told Fox that in states with harsh laws against marijuana, a photograph of someone smoking weed documents a possession felony. In Arizona, for example, that alone could cost you a hundred fifty thousand dollar fine and an eighteen month jail sentence. And then there's questions about what it could do to your professional life, but yo. It's CBD. But it's okay to uh, post a picture of you doing a beer bong, right? Well, you can't, you're not allowed to talk unless you're on a mic, first of all. So learn the rules, because pretend I can't hear with these on my ears unless you're in a mic. I can hear you, but we pretend that. But, yes, you're absolutely right. You can, you can post as many drinks of you're drunk You're a guest. People Don't let him bully you, you like that. Don't. <laughs> Oh, Sonny, that's great input. Would you like to share that with our audience? Why don't you hop on the mic here, buddy? I like Is to say a better? little something, and it don't tread on me, okay, Mitch? <laughs> I'm not allowed to happen any longer. Wow. News, 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 news. <laughs> that's all I've been waiting for. Hey, Just got to respect yourself, News, 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 news. Colorado State Patrol Troopers testing marijuana DUI devices. Mm. On Fox 31 Denver, uh, the Colorado State Patrol is using marijuana DUI devices as part of, of as part of a three-year pilot program. Since March, more than 125 troopers have been equipped with one of five types of an oral fluid tester that sample a driver's saliva for the presence of drugs, including marijuana. Uh, troopers can perform roadside sobriety tests and seek a blood test, but much like a breathalyzer for alcohol use. Investigators would like a roadside device to give troopers probable cause to make an arrest. It would confirm or deny the officer's investigation that the suspect would be under the influence of marijuana or other drugs. Under the pilot program, drivers have to consent to have the inside of their cheeks swabbed for saliva. The device then takes about five minutes to deliver an electronic readout, evaluating the presence of several narcotics, including marijuana. Garcia said the legalization of marijuana has increased the need to stop drivers who have more than five nanograms of THC in their system, which is Colorado's legal threshold. Uh, There's no reason they have to do that because it yeah, doesn't do anything. But here's the thing, though: if if you turn if you refuse to accept a a breathalyzer test here in Colorado, I'm pretty sure they can instantly charge you with a DUI, right? So I think once these things have gone through this trial program and they prove that they're accurate, then they're going to do that for these two. But would good that be news the case about this. Also? Like, no, I don't want not, you to swab my mouth. Then, boom, you are you have a DUI. For right weed. now, you can turn it oh, down yeah. because it's just a test. As but for the, the saliva test, suspected like a, drivers must consent, and so far, only eighty-two have. It hasn't been used in court yet that we're aware of, but we foresee that in the future. The Colorado State Patrol said, uh, "I will tell you this: uh, you should keep some hydrogen peroxide in your car, and just swish that in your, in mouth, your mouth for thirty yeah. seconds, and that will defeat." Any cheek swab test, as far as I know. Just an FYI, unrelated to the article I just read. That's just an interesting fact I'm inserting there. Um, you got one more? Yeah. Two more, I think I got. Two more, I think. Are we ready on Skype? Yeah. Hey! Auburn Mayor Defends Helping... Uh, this is in California. Auburn Mayor Defends Helping VA Patients Smoke Marijuana to Help with Chemotherapy. The mayor of Auburn says he helped a patient smoke marijuana, marijuana, marijuana inside a Northern California Veterans Affair hospital. 
Dr. William Kirby is a practicing urologist, and he revealed during a discussion on medical marijuana at the city council meeting, he sent someone to find marijuana on the streets for a patient. Uh, the mayor is defending his decision, saying he made it not as a politician, but as a doctor. I treated a patient appropriately, and he survived. There's nothing else to it. I'm a doctor, he said. I'm a doctor first before anything else. He described his work as a urologist in 1979, helping a cancer patient smoke marijuana inside a Martinez VA hospital so that he would finish chemotherapy treatment. I sent one of my residents to Oakland and said, find some marijuana. He said, after he took two hits, it was a little weird to have it wafting down the halls of the VA hospital. Uh, Kirby says his patient survived. The fact that you put in the context of having somebody go to Oakland to the streets to find this drug and get it to a patient, I actually have no idea where they went. I never asked, but they acquired it. The patient took it, he said. In a city council debate about Auburn's marijuana laws, this patient was his example why compassionate use of marijuana is real. The point you ha- you're he- the real point you're here is it's a little odd to be on the v- to be on the VA hospital and have a little marijuana wafting down the hallway. He said, "What? That doesn't sound doesn't sound like a real sentence." Actually, <laughs> no, I definitely read <laughs> not that the way correctly. not the way you read it. No, that's it? no, that's that's how it's read. That's uh, how it's read. Rid, news, news, rid, news. Rid, rid Ryan's not here. I'm just going to say it. What? Former NBA All-Star Cliff Robinson enters marijuana business as Uncle Spliffy. Yep. What are you talking Good about? Morning. So our friend is second. What am I talking about? It's right here. USA Today, buddy. Oh, my God. So our friend is second then. Yeah. Not first. He, he was first, but he didn't say it. Mm. Uh, Cliff Robinson played for five teams over his 18-year NBA career, including four successful years in Detroit, playing for a Pistons team that won the title in 2004. These days, Robinson, now 49, is retired and looking to get into the marijuana business, particularly in Portland, Oregon, where he played for the Trailblazers from 1989 to 1997. Uh, I think I've always been an advocate for cannabis, Robinson told Coin6 News. It's calming, calm down my stomach, calm my nerves a little bit. So from that standpoint, I see a lot of positives. Robinson's had a number of run-ins with the law, as well as with the league for his marijuana use over his playing career, but things are different now. When I did it, it was wrong. I did it, I was wrong. I paid the penalty. But now we're in a new time and we're trying to move forward. He'll be speaking in Portland this February at the 2016 Cannabis Collaborative Conference as an advocate for the usage of medical marijuana by team doctors as marijuana usage in the NBA is still not allowed in any capacity. But it's never been a problem. For yeah, it's never been. <laughs> Every single NBA player smokes. And they tell them like two months ahead that they're going to get a drug test. So they're like, oh, okay. Might want to slow down. So that was it? That was your big news? That was it. That's what I had. Nothing else happened. No, I had five news stories. We usually do. <laughs> that, was, that was it. That was a good lineup. I don't know. It's kind of weird. You don't know? <laughs> I felt it. Uh, what did weak. you want? What other stories? What did I miss? <laughs> There's got to be something good out there. There's always something good. I thought all those were pretty good stories. Mm. The yeah. mayor of a town helping a VA patient. That's pretty cool. That was a cool story, man. Speaking of cool stories, you got a cool story message to you this week. The oh, one right. you sent me. Do you have your phone handy? I could dig it up. If, oh, you're watching the show on... Because you watching. can't just look around the room. <laughs> no, I'm, you have to. <laughs> I'm looking at the comments. Dude. I'm checking out the comments. Um, yeah, I did. I actually got a message. Let me see. I can dig it out if you can't find it. Yeah, you dig it out. Okay, cool. You Sounds better when you read it. it. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> no. Well, um, no, you should do the guy's long. voice. Do you remember the guy? Do you remember the guy? You know, it's one of those 
Not not exactly. Not remember. The answer is no. I don't remember his voice, but I do remember. Do you remember the, the guy? Do you remember what he's talking about? I remember, yeah, I remember the incident. It was one of those because it was a weird year. It was during a, it was two thousand one, so it was like two months after nine eleven. So that's always a and that was the cup that kind of didn't happen. Almost everybody was all whoa because people didn't want to travel. We're gonna go or I don't know, and it kind of died. Um, but basically, uh, this guy wrote me a pretty long did he email you how did he get because you just texted he sent it to me by facebook so he he looked me up on facebook okay but um basically says in 2001 uh he was living in ohio and he got a call from his buddy justin and his his work was sending him to europe and he asked him to uh if he wanted to go to uh, italy with him so they were like cool let's do it uh thanks to 9-11 all the prices were cheap so he went to europe uh and then he was arriving in england and he realized that the cup was going on. It's almost exactly like where I was when I was there. I was in England, and I was like, that ferry says Amsterdam, or it says Holland. I'm like, I'm going fucking Holland. You know? <laughs> it's like, so he basically saw that the cup was going on, so he's like, got to go check it out. Um, so he arrived uh, in Amsterdam not knowing anybody, and he said he proceeded to have an amazing life experience in, in a strange place. As I explore, I find myself uh, more often than not being embarrassed being an American, as I encounter so many rude frat boys and others there. Which is wa- totally the Amsterdam experience. Yeah, getting wasted. All along meeting uh, great local people uh, and soaking up the good vibes. The only problem with my trip was that I had no tickets to the Cannabis Cup and no extra money, and I wasn't going to stress about it. Life was good. So then I stumbled into TH Seeds and began talking to the friendly girl at the counter, which I think was my girlfriend, probably. <laughs> so which sense. he thinks, too. Yeah, obviously. I'm pretty sure, because I was probably, and I'm pretty sure he was talking to Dan uh, Marie. Um, and began talking to the friendly girl at the counter. While talking to her and sharing some experiences, I kept noticing a guy in the back and figured he thought I was some usual American, probably just trying to mack on his girl. <laughs> Next thing I know, the dude comes up front, introduces himself, and says he's o- overheard my conversation and that he's on his way to the cup. He asks me if I want to go, and we walk outside and hop into the coolest three-wheeled rig I've ever seen. So what was that? Have you told me about that? That's my little Vespa car. Oh, that was your Vespa car. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, he tells me he's from New York, and then we hit it off uh, after, listen, after learning we're both motorheads. Next thing I know, we're ho- hopping curbs and cruising down alleys, shoulder to shoulder in this sweet two-stroke truck, smiling like something <laughs> sinister is going down. We arrive, and the dude tosses me his cup credentials. And says he has some meetings to attend and just to make sure to get the badge back to him before he leave. I toss the badge around my neck and head in, not having a clue that according to the badge, I'm now celebrity status. I proceed to have a great time inside meeting uh, so many great people and had my eyes peeled wide open with the intrigue only to have them partially closed by the sweet local treats. Basically, he said he came home. The only thing I smuggled home was a pack of THC acorn that me and some friends kept going for a few years. Um, and the irony is that he moved to Colorado about 10 years ago and he's been growing some, you know, growing and everything. And then recently he was checking on, thought, oh, maybe I'll check with TH Seeds and realize that I was here. And so he, he lives here so we can get him on the show in the future. Yeah, he's going to be at the thing. He'll be on Sunday. You know what we should do? <laughs> we should make the, in, the intern do things like intern, 
Start ripping the bong and don't stop till we say stop type yeah. thing. Oh, that'll happen. Don't That's worry. That's good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of it. course. Of course. But anyway, it was this, and it was exactly the story that I told people all the time is that I just don't remember. I mean, so many people I took care of over there that it just was like, whatever. I mean, That's what I mean. That's a really cool story. And then the guy, you know. Because there's so many people. I know that. Well, uh, his whole thing is that that's his favorite story about going to Holland is that, you know, he just all of a sudden stumbled into the shop. And yeah. I was like, literally on my way. And I remember I was like, uh, I got to go to the fucking cup. You know what I mean? <laughs> For me, it was just like, <laughs> I was like, whatever. I was like, oh, you want to go to the cup? Yeah, yeah, cool. Come with me. Boom. And I just like said, here you go. And I had things to do or whatever. But it was, it was, uh, you know, and that's the whole thing is like when you're there, like anywhere, when you people come to your town and they're a little bit nervous because they don't know what's going on, especially when there's weed involved, it's always like, what do I do? Like every state's different. I mean, if I go into any dispensary in any state, even being you know brought in by the people who are the owners i can feel the tension of not understanding what's going on because you just you don't know it's like what's the protocol oh you have to sign in over there and then do this and then do that you don't know you know what i mean it's like no i don't know because i've never done this before but once you're comfortable and that was the whole thing about amsterdam is people just rolled in and they were like what do i do and i'm like how did you get here you you've walked for like like we've been walking for hours and like you're like you, how many coffee shops did you go by? You must have, like, all you had to do was go in and ask. And they're like, oh, it's so, you know, it's such a hard thing to get over that little hump, you know? So just by helping people, I think that was a key. Key to life for there. pretty sweet. Yeah, just be nice. Be nice. And and now that guy is, like, trying to get in the business. And yeah. It's and pretty owns, cool. He owns a motorcycle parts company here in Colorado. So he's not going to help you. Oh, does he? Oh. So I did, I did, I, I heard a little news, news, news. The other day, you were talking shop. You're talking some biker shop. Yeah, we were talking shop with what's his name, Cali Rob, Tanner's buddy. Yeah, he just. I mean, he has street bikes. Oh man, which is. Yeah, he was racing. He was F one. He was racing his car around the F one yeah. track. Uh, that which was awesome. Yeah, he was telling me about a Subi, and then that's when I was like, oh, you know, I'm more of a more of a bike guy. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I have bikes too. I was like, you street bike. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's pretty much where. That part of the conversation ended, but then he was talking. We were talking about bikes and clubs and stuff like oh that. Oh my god, clubs! You guys talk clubs. Called knives. You guys talk. Well, about, well he's you from guys California. Side, sidearms and knives. Well, no, and, he was from. Yeah, we were they, just, they were talking who had what territory California and stuff for a yeah, while, yeah. and then they talked talk guns and, a little. Strong. Nice. Yeah, they, they, they talked guns. I don't really do I the talk, whole I gun talk thing. Guns pull out some suns. Well, he can get, he can get so. some Yo, really cheap guns. I have a fuck. It's exactly what we. It's exactly what we referred to. Actually, we sat and watched a few together. I bet it was. It was great. It was it was fantastic. No, no, yeah. that's actually not it. No. I, I I'm I'm ready. Tomorrow's supposed to be like 63. Taking the bike out. Taking the bike <clears> out. Taking it out. And then it's gonna snow on the way home because oh, it's Colorado, <laughs> right? Yeah. But no, the next two days are supposed to be in the 60s. So I'm gonna like me me and Big Dummy gonna go. Finally, uh, finally, you're wearing the right clothes. And go for a little cruise. Like he always somebody's, comes in shorts. He always has shorts. Phone's yeah. <laughs> Whose phone? Whose phone? My phone. So, oh, <laughs> production so killing it right now. Yeah. Uh, Silva's gonna call in. Right, Any minute. Nice. Yeah, he should be Skyping. All right, well, it's ready to go. We're ready. Damn. I'm not leaving anymore. What? Yeah. I mean, by the time I get down to, to Denver, I mean, there's really we, no we point were all in me pressing we were, today. We were actually pretty excited that you were leaving. But there's no point in me pressing today. Really? I mean, I just won't get enough done. There's no point in hanging out with us either. True. We already, we already pushed you pretty out. Pretty much. Yeah, you're pushed situation. out. Yeah, you're gone. Is that? Can I try some of that? What? Yeah, yeah, sure. Is that some uh, of the AU stuff? Yeah. AU. 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 
Want to do shout outs while we're waiting for Jeremy? Yeah, yeah let's sure. do that. Hey, you just did a, a, a Tangyland or Tangyland Dream or whatever run for Time I saw Love. that. I saw that. Oh, man. Crystal big, clear. big shout out to Way to Grow. Our number one uh, support and friends and sponsors since the beginning. Uh, seven locations all over Colorado. How many? Seven. How many? Seven. And Where gu- are they? And guess what? Kid. All over Colorado. They're all over Colorado. How did you know, man? You're so on point. The kid is listening today. Uh, latest shop in Silverthorne up there in the mountains. So when it snows, if it ever does again, because now it'll be 63 degrees, according to the kid. And 64 on Friday. <sighs> Killing yeah, it. Um, but they have uh, the Light It Up. Like, no, what is it called? Light, light up, the up the New, New Year. Year. Light Up the New Year sale. Um, killer deals on Horde Luxes, 59 for 1,000 waters. Um, if, you're, if you're running 600, you're going to pay a little bit more. 69 bucks, a little extra. Uh, and uh, pick up those blues too, because get those blues are always really expensive. <laughs> those things are hella expensive. But uh, they also have the Concentrate Corner at 1051, at the one location, 1051 uh, South Platte River, which is my personal favorite. The kids love the candy everywhere. Well, the Platte River but is. But his favorite been... candy is up here, I think, right? No, 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 not Platte anymore. Rivers. Not since I started going to Dark Horse. Yeah, Platte <sighs> River is the best candy. In all the way to goes I've been in. It's all a kid cares about. Really? Selection. There's different candy? But not to mention yes. that it's my favorite way to go. They have the concentrate corner, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So if we need anything for the lab, we can mm-hmm. go right there. And everything is Everybody's organized. wearing a hoodlum. Everybody's wearing a hoodlum. Everybody in there has a hoodlum on. Yeah, that's they really good. recognize the code in there. But no, it's really, it's really, it's a huge warehouse. It's really big. So everything's really nice and organized in there. Sometimes way to grow is a little bit difficult to maneuver when it's a smaller shop. But the big ones have... Right. I always find when right, grocery shops have too much shit hanging, it gets kind of out of control. Like, when does you get to the point where there's no more shelf space? And they're like, oh, hang that over Toss there. it up on the wall. And then it gets crazy. Yeah. Like, I think, do we have enough, like, floor space? Shit shouldn't be above your head. Like, you know, once it's stacked up, like, too tall, and you're like, oh, my God. Mountains oh, my God. Mountains oh, my God. of Big, big shout-out to oh, Incredibles Edibles. We like their edibles as much as we like Way to Grow. Pro- possibly more because they get you high. Way to if Grow they, doesn't they, directly it, get you high. We should definitely see if they want to hit us up for uh, Valentine's Day for the special to give the oh, kid yeah. like a little bonus. Oh, it's for all, after all that chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, full cho- the no, before all that chocolate. Yeah, the and then by the time he's done with all that fat, oh, he's just going to oh, crushed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Affogato bar up there. Uh, you can, of course, uh, know that we love the Fireberry bar. Pumpkin spice bar, I'm hearing a lot of great oh, things about. Dude. Haven't tried it yet. Okay. The graham crack. Okay, so if what? you if you don't really like pumpkin, I like pumpkin. That'll be just, silver. Uh, yeah, if you don't really like pumpkin, then just uh, don't get it because it's really really strong in the pumpkin flavor. Um, don't get it. That's terrible. If you, if you don't know, I mean, like you have to really really like pumpkin. But if you if you like oh, no. the f- yes, you do. It tastes really strong of pumpkin and cinnamon. I'm like, maybe I should say cinnamon. All right, well, cinnamon. pumpkin but and cinnamon. Are it's it's the hell delicious. does not like pumpkin and cinnamon together. I if you don't like those, it, the Fireberry Bar. Mile higher. The mile higher, higher bar goes up to 500, 500 milligrams, milligrams on the med side. Boom. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, um, of course, the two flavors of the Afghato. I like the 300 milligram flavor better with the dark chocolate instead of the white chocolate. Really? Yes. Well, you can check them all out at medical and recreational dispensaries uh, all throughout the state of Colorado and hopefully come <coughs> some elsewhere in the near future. Uh, and that is Incredibles at IncrediblesColorado.com. Also check out Incredibles Extracts, uh, some of our favorite uh, hydrocarbon extracts. Yes. Hell uh, yeah. Big, big shout out, of course, to 
build a soil, who we'll go into a little longer. You know, let's do Dark Horse and then build a soil. That makes can, sense. There you go. Yep, and then segue it. Seg. Because he's there, lurking. Not totally quiet, but, but he's there. Yeah, I can he's hear there. clicking. He's, he's like moving yeah. things around. Yep. <laughs> big, big shout out to Dark Horse Genetics. Uh, big news out of the Dark Horse camp officially announcing uh, the exclusive collaboration with Gorilla Glue. Boom. Uh, to be putting Gorilla Glue authorized flowers of the one the four and the five out in colorado and also offering uh limited cuttings and then to do breeding work with them so very excited uh announcement for dark horse and more of that coming from the gorilla glue camp and the dark horse camp in the coming weeks and it sounds like dark horse has a bunch more announcements lined up that they'll be dropping on the show and on their facebook and instagram also, you can get a bunch of good seeds at jawfarm.com from Dark Horse, the Dark Horse Seeds, the Archive, Franchise, Pacific Northwest. Oh, and we'll have a booth at the Cup. We'll see you guys in a week at the Cup. That's I can't right. wait. I mean, everybody who's going this weekend, I hope they have a good time, but I'm ready for the second weekend. Yep. A lot of our friends are going first weekend, Bring which your is herbs. good because there's probably going to be not as many people selling seeds second weekend. So right. That's us. And if they uh, are, they're, they're probably sold nice. out Nobody and else. everyone's ready to yep. go. We're coming in fresh. And bring your herbs, bring your hash, because I'll be bringing my press. So let's, let's do some squishing. Squish it. Squishing. Uh, right on. And, of course, big, big, big shout-out. And, of course, uh, our respect and gratitude go to Jeremy Silva, Build the Soil, who is on the line with us right now, I believe. What's going on, Jeremy? Hey, I'm on the line. I just had to push the mute button. So I wasn't bugging you guys. <laughs> well played, buddy. So uh, we were going to do our shout-out, but, um, you know, I got we got till Coop gets on the line here to talk about what's new with Build the Soil. Um New in the world of build the soil, how the guardian fiasco affected you and uh, your your reality, and you know we had spoken after last week's show, and it's why we wanted Coot as a guest today because when it all went down, I, as I said on the show, like I guess I wasn't surprised. Like people kind of wanted to know why we weren't more outraged, and I wasn't surprised. And I realized later because that's because Coot always told us to just be totally skeptical of a hundred percent of things. And if you don't actually know the pure science behind it, and if it doesn't make sense, then it's definitely bullshit. And, uh, you know, when you when you violate that rule, you kind of have to just expect that you're going to get made to look foolish. But uh, I wanted your take on that, Jeremy, and how the whole thing affected affected you. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's one of those things that I wasn't surprised either. I was, I guess I should say, I wasn't that I wasn't surprised. Um, I was surprised that it was Guardian. I wasn't surprised that another thing like this happened in the industry. Sure. Um, when I used to go to the dispensary, when I was in between harvests, I would talk to the growers there, and it it was to the point where I didn't even want to go there because they were using Eagle 20, they were using bug bombs and running out of the room at night, they were using uh, all sorts of sprays and stuff, and it was because at the end of the day, especially here on the western slope, there's no competition. They put moratorium on licensing, they basically made it so the one guy that's got a license you know, there's not a lot of that free market competition that makes for better quality products. So they're just turning out everything they can, and it's all selling. And so for me, that was a huge push to growing for myself. And then when I started growing for myself, like, my eyes were totally open. I realized how many products were being marketed to this industry. Um, especially before the laws started to change, we all had nobody we could ask, nobody you could ask their advice from, certainly nobody like at a college level or professional in the industry and say, hey, is this a good pest management program? Um, it was just all up to our, our own accord and our own ideas. And unfortunately, a lot of times we got our advice from people that we really trusted that supposedly knew more than us. 
So sometimes we would set aside our objectivity and say, well, so-and-so, it's working for them. And so with the Guardian thing, I think that was some of the stuff that was disheartening is that it kind of slid under our radar as free samples and everybody started implementing it because it was based on essential oils, something that I was already a proponent of. And once I started to learn, you know, I, I never talked about carrying the product as far as retail because I, I've got to use it in my own garden before I, I will sell anything. At least that's the basic premise. And so um, I didn't know what it was going to cost and all that stuff, but I heard that the price was just really, really high. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, we will segue that into teaching people how to emulsify their own essential oils, especially if this is super effective. But uh, like you said, at the end of the day, something that was that effective on one application oftentimes you know, doesn't lend itself to that organic side of things where we're more balancing an ecosystem, not just all out annihilating everything. Um, so uh, when that happened, I was like, whoa, here's another one. Wow, all the more reason to get back to my rule of if there's secret ingredients or there's you know, not a, a long longevity on the market with a lot of peer-reviewed studies or independent testing, I'm going to stay away from it. And um, it's, it's kind of a bummer because there's a lot of times where because of the the market that we're in, um, a lot of times there's nothing really secret about what really works. And so these companies want to keep their proprietary information. They don't want to give away their whole recipe. And so I understand that, and I want good products to come to market and still there to be some financial reason for it. But still, at the end of the day, I think that the formula, like maybe how it's made, shouldn't be divulged uh, for the market's sake. But as far as what's in it, I mean, I know that none of the organic growers would have used Guardian had they known it had that type of ingredient in it. So. Yeah, well, the funny thing, I mean, I think their their price restriction saved a lot of people's gardens because of the fact that it was like we got samples yeah. and it did work, but it was like, well, I don't know, that's expensive. I don't think that could, that wouldn't really work in my program. And then they didn't go for it, you know, and I think if it was cheaper, a lot of people would have jumped on board and put it right into the program because it, it was just that like, well, I don't really want to get used to it because it, then I can't afford it, you know what I mean? And that, and that was kind of the... Yep the reality when you look at the prices. Well, and that's the question too. I'm sure Adam, you realize this, but there's so, there's so many new products come on the market every year. And so I always look at the base of what's in them from my understanding. Sure. But even if I was just to look at every new product and want to try it, there's just no end to that. So at some point you have to say, even if I like this, do I want another $30 a month added to my freaking bottom line? Do I really oh, yeah. need that? So at a certain point, a grower starts to really simplify and say, Hey, what do I not need? Yeah. Uh, and you'll look at what you've got on the shelf and say, hey, I've been using these for the last couple of years just because, but let me delete this one and see what happens. And so there's that big process growers go through of shiny object, you know, trying every bottle, everything there ever was. And yeah. eventually you get to a point where you're exhausted. Nothing else has really doubled your yield. And it's more about the basic principles of environment and genetics and everything that always was there. And so we come back full circle and when we look at something like Guardian, it's important we look at the ingredients, but that was the big bummer here is we thought we knew the ingredients, it was yeah. essential oil, you know, some unique emulsifying agents, and we're like, okay, let's run with it. And it bypassed my radar too because a lot of times at the end of the day, I noticed when I started this business, if I only, only focused on 100% do-it-yourself stuff, I would probably alienate 80 to 90% of the people who could benefit from organics because some people just don't have time. They've got kids and work and everything else, and they don't want to learn how to emulsify their own oil and do a two-step process. So I'm always on board for a one-step, super easy product, but uh, every time something comes out, um, 
you know, it ends up something like this happens. So well, yeah, and now when, when they works, when it works, it's always like, oh, that's cool. Okay, it worked. Yeah, but no, it's usually there's a problem. <laughs> it worked. Oh, you know I mean? it worked. Oh, that worked. Yeah. You know, it's, fuck. It's uh, scary. And, and when you have a tool that just annihilates everything, a lot of times it can create lazy growing habits. It would be as if when you realized you were overweight one morning, you could just flip a switch and be back to normal. You just eat cheeseburgers all freaking day. Who cares? Flip the switch when you get uncomfortable. And yep. so now when we realize there's no magic here, you have to go back to the basics. Really, really get down to controlling what goes in the garden, making sure that you're quarantining clones if you have to have it, making sure that you have some sort of you know, pest uh, management program. But here's the challenge. Like, for instance, essential oils do work. A lot of people were saying, hey, I knew it couldn't just be essential oils. Well, essential oils work, but here's the thing. They don't if work I were with to, one shot. Well, yeah, not with one shot. And here's the thing. If it did, it'd probably kill the plant. So... Meaning this, uh, if I see fungus gnat larvae, I can take 100% essential oil drops, drop one on there as a test, and it'll die within about three seconds. So we know it'll kill it, but where's the balance where it's not going to kill your plant? And so that's where we get into learning to emulsify, using stuff that spreads it on the leaf and making sure that we're following up with either washing it off or making sure the lights are not on. All these little things that take specific knowledge as opposed to put one ounce of this, spray it, and, and all your problems go away. And so that's what we all have to get back to. If we're going to be doing this 24-7, 365, and this is something that, uh, you know, is either really important to have medicine or it's part of our income, you got to make sure you put all the management practices in place. And uh, I'm not perfect. Anytime I slack, I've, I've got bugs in my garden before. I'm not, I, I slack and forget or go out of town or, you know, life happens, and then you go, oh, my God, I need to really refocus back on this and start back over from the basics and just make sure vacuuming, cleaning, all the little things are done that day, not next week. I know how many of us are like, oh, I'll transplant in a couple of days. And then we get a little bit weaker plant, and then we get a little bit weaker immune system. And so all of these little things, in my experience, really teach me how to be a better human. Gardening keeps me more disciplined, keeps me more honest. I can't just put stuff off for weeks at a time because, you know, the garden keeps on growing. So, um, you know, definitely important to consider the basics when we're talking about something like Guardian and what happened. And so I have a number of people asking me about neem oil again for the first time. And I think that a lot of times what happens is uh, or people that would want to use organic stuff hear from someone else, ah, it doesn't quite work that good. Just go buy this and it'll slaughter everything. I think the biggest and objection so, to neem I hear nowadays, right? Like there's the classic, like, oh, it's, it's not going to work. It's for the oil But yeah, it's, when well, you make concentrates. Well, what I hear, right? Yeah, you're going to taste neem. That's yep. what everybody I, says. I know tons of people that are using neem that are making killer concentrates and have no issues. I think what happens is a lot of people lump all of the products together under neem. And so what happens is people are using like Azimax up to the day of harvest, spraying it on their flowers, or they're using neem not, emuls not emulsified properly and spraying it a few weeks into flower. And so you get this residual where they think they're maybe cheating the system, thinking that, ah, it's not going to be there later. But then the guy who processes the oil ends up having a problem, and that's the only thing they can point it to, which it makes total sense to me. But I I'm not seeing that issue so long as proper protocol is put in place. Challenges well, don't pr spray it in flour. You know, well, they, they, uh, they, I know don't some spray people that'll they, spray it the first couple of weeks, yeah, but you shouldn't have obvious. to do that. But let's, but let's go. Let's like really focus on this episode, though. Yeah, don't spray it in flour, and everyone kind of should know that much. But what happens when you got to do something in flour? And that's kind of like a challenge I'd like to to put on this episode, uh, especially with with the guests that are bringing on and with yourself. Yeah. I'll be definitely willing to talk about it. Depending on the case, my answer is chop it down and start over and do it right. But that doesn't always work, and I'm fully aware of that. In a commercial setting, it's not we, necessarily an option. It's not going to work. It's not, gonna, it's not an option. But 
sometimes it needs to be an option, uh, meaning when it's so bad, so toxic, that the only alternative is to do something that would lower your integrity as a company. And so each business is going to have their own line in the sand, lines they just will not cross, and they're going to throw it away, or they're going to do something different. And those are learning lessons, but they can't happen. And of course, from a business perspective, we've got to find different methods that may be less invasive for working on flowers. And so, you know, what's promising right now is these enzyme products that are on the market. And, you know, you can... for use malted seeds and other things to get some enzymes as a preventative process, but when it comes to annihilation, um, people are still using big-time exterminator or other enzyme-type products because of the nature of enzymes and how they break down. It doesn't leave like a residue, and they've been used in other industries for a long time. So something I'm definitely researching more. Um, I know that others have been having problems with enzyme products based on it burning the plant. I've seen it damage the plant for sure. Especially if it's like a first time usage. Yeah, the plants seem to develop a toughness to it. Yeah, I think it's also... They do, they develop a toughness. I think it's also, yeah, it's like, it depends on the damage level of your plants. Like, if they're they're already a little bit hurting, then they'll be, it'll exasperate it. But if it's, once it's kind of been through the treatment and you do it as a preventative, it doesn't seem to be a problem. It's just that when there is a problem, it kind of like you see it worse. You know what I mean? It's almost like your plants have to go through that extra yeah. step to like, like make the fever break type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh man, your plants look terrible. It's like, yeah, don't worry, they're going to be good. They're getting better right now. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. see it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, but most people wouldn't see it because it actually you really have to get through the go through the like the, the nasty part to get to the good. It's almost like when you're making clones too. Like they have to go through so much. Some people can do it perfect with no stress. And some people, it's like a total stress factor of 12, you know what I mean? Yep. It comes through it, but it's, it's like it has to kind of get, get through the whole nastiness. Well, and that depends on so many variables. There's times where, for instance, I finished some colognes last night. I looked, and they're all rooted, and there's not one yellow tip. Every leaf is perfectly green, and they're very happy. Right. And I'm like, yes, got it. Where, you know, a couple times before, I might have had no humidity or messed something up, and they get a little yellow. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll get better next time. But um, it's one of those things, too, where you use... I've noticed the first time I ever used an enzyme product, I burnt the hell out of my plants. And I was testing it on some in my greenhouse area that had some issues. And so I think that they were already just in a weakened immune state from the pests, and so it really did it. Now, going forward on healthier plants at like half dose, working my way up, I've noticed it doesn't burn them at all. And so I'm very hesitant to step out and say, hey, this product, this product, XYZ or whatever is going to work. But it seems like people that have experimented with the enzymes have found a way to make them work on their own schedule. You, you know what I'm saying? Based on their garden. Right. And so it's definitely a viable option. In fact, when um, we get Ariana on from Arbico, they've got an enzyme product that's a cleaning thing that I wanted to ask her about, and we'll see what she says. Um, you know, but besides that, one of the things that I, I notice a lot of my buddies when we talk oh, about Jeremy, it, we'll if, I could, slacking. if I could cut in real quick, but I wanted yep. to point to you and point to just the audience in the uh, in the chat room. Uh Jeremy was kind enough to take questions. Uh, if you look under the chat room, boxes are popping up so you can preload your questions. We're doing that for the first time. Jeremy, uh, as you know, there are questions in there. I saw you were interacting in there, and we want to get you to cover those before we bring uh, Coot on. And then uh, cool. you can post your questions for Clackamas Coot. Right now, the Coot box has popped up under the chat. You can get in there and post. I apologize, Jeremy. Okay, no, that's awesome. So I see on the very top it says Coot Questions. Below that it's Jeremy Questions, and then after that it's like chat box. So, okay, I'll look through there and answer those before we get Coot on. And then I'm sure you guys will load up some questions for Coot. Uh, One of the things that I was mentioning is that my biggest area of slack that I see in gardens, including my own, is 
Um, when you get away from that weekly, like for instance, for me, it's on Sunday, based on my timers and when I'm going to be around at home. Every single Sunday, I mix up neem oil, uh, emulsify it. I've been playing with yucca lately. Yucca will really emulsify the neem oil. I do love Agsil 16H. It has some benefits as far as powdery mildew, but um, you know, there's some people that are keeping Agsil out of their garden based on the fact it's not approved for organic use in, in every facet, you know, just mainly for eradication foliarly. So the yucca really works, but bottom line, when I do that every single week without phase in the veg cycle, I just crush it. It's one of the best grows ever. I have no issues. I go into flower without pests. I'm able to finish without having to worry about spraying stuff on flowers. When I get overconfident, hey, last run was perfect. I'm not, you know, this week, whatever, I'm going to be out, gone this week, and fuck it. I'll, I'll take a couple weeks off, and then I'll just make sure I hit them extra hard before flower. That's where I have my problem. Something is able to get a foothold. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say there's nothing ever in my garden, but nothing's able to multiply and get to the point of numbers where it can really take over and even cause anything visible. So right now, one of the newest things I've been doing since last year is Every week during that program, I also pull specific leaves and I scope in areas where I would potentially expect to see russets if they were starting. And the main thing is that because they're out there, because they're being used for roadside services, because people have them, it's, it's there now. So part of my new IPM routine is scoping every single week just to make sure there's nothing forming. And knock on wood, the cleanest garden I've ever had right now. And I'm really excited uh, about you that. Just and yeah. yeah, I hope that was I hope that was real word. That was, that well, was what it. I did is I separated my perpetual from being in one zone to smaller tents that I can now close down completely, clean up between cycles, and it's really changed everything. Where perpetual is always fun, but man, if you get something in your perpetual room, even something as benign as white flies or something, sure. it can be a real problem when you have other ages of plants in the same area and you're trying to deal with it. So, no, for sure, it's it's always a struggle too. Just just the combination of if if one plant gets hit and it's and it's at that weak stage, it's telling all the other plants too. You know what I mean? And the other plants are getting all yep. panicky, and some of them are finishing off early. And you know, you're like, "Ooh, that's weird. How come those ones didn't like?" That usually, no, they would go in a couple more weeks, but, but they'll just be like, "You know what? Get the fuck out, <laughs> ripcord yep. time." You know what I mean? And you'll get the, so I, perpetual harvests are a little bit of a struggle, I think, for especially for large scale production is really hard. It's good for it makes sense. I think incremental like room. Yeah. Per room, you could have different rooms set up, but the whole room needs to be down at once, cleaned at once, put back up. And, and it does make a lot of sense for me. I noticed uh, Mountain Organics, he's the big no-till guy on Instagram, um, been friends at least through the forums for a while. And I was following him when he changed from perpetual over to doing more of a room at a time. And really, the health has just been phenomenal in his grow, and it's, it's really shown. So not only that, but one of the things I would think about is I've noticed myself get a little more aggressive with culling. If I'm trying a whole bunch of different seed varieties out, in the beginning, I used to hang around and go, ooh, this one with this genetic deformity might be something special. And I'd keep it around and potentially bring more issues to my garden as opposed to just running the healthiest cuttings possible, the healthiest seeds possible. And so obviously overall health is important. And that's why I just wanted to reiterate to everyone listening that get to your weekly program, make a commitment to yourself and honor your garden and do it. And you'll most likely be in much less likely of a position to have to take any of these eradication type measures where you're asking yourself, well, is this really okay? Do I want to put this on at this point in time? And you'll feel better. You'll have less anxiety about your garden and harvesting and everything. If you just do what you're supposed to do every single week and get cleanliness, clean the room, you know, vacuum, do all the things that you're supposed to. And that's really a big, big, big part of the equation. Um, 
And so unless we have some more what questions. What happens when it's festival season stuff, and you want to go rage out for like weeks at a time <laughs> and you're like, Dude. Well, that's where using soil really helps. <laughs> you know, I know when I had to leave and I had to give a three-page instruction list with uh, milliliters per gallon and, you know, how much pH and all these things, I was very stressed about leaving my grill. Now... And, you know, a big geoplanter or an earth box, it's like, hey, man, uh, you need you to stop by once during this week and put water down that tube or spray water on the plant. Right. And for the most part, I'll still worry about the IPM, and I'll try and plan it if I'm leaving to do it right before, even if it's out of cycle. That way I have a little bit of extra prevention uh, while I'm gone. But, you know, that stuff's important. And there's basically all I wanted to talk about on this episode is that there's no magic cure. Just like getting in good shape, you got to go to the gym or whatever it is that you're going to do and honor that commitment and you'll see results. But if you start slipping, a lot of times we never go back to our plan and we end up having to take, you know, very risky measures to make sure that we can finish that harvest, whether it's because of we need the crop or whether it's because we need the money. Um, so can we talk but, about and make sure we address uh, kind of now, like you're talking about this weekly routine what, can you yeah. lay out like an itemized, what's your personal checklist? This is what you do on the weekly. Perfect. Okay. I'm glad. I want to talk to Coot about this a little bit as well, just because he's so good at hammering home how solid some of these products are and allowing you to do some research on, I, I guess what I'm saying is one of the things I've learned is that when you're using products, it's really important to have that mental confidence in what you're doing that goes along with it. It keeps you motivated to do it as long as you know it's going to work. And so a few different things that I use on the weekly basis Last time we did the integrated pest management show for the Adam Dunn show, we put it together a report, and that report is still available. And if you go to Google and Google Build a Soil IPM, I believe it will pull it up. But uh, in any case, I like using the neem oil from India, a lot higher percentages, a lot more potent than the stuff that was typically available to grow shops. And we also use a Karanja oil. And so tools that I like to have on hand, if you go to buildasoil.com, go to the integrated pest management area, there's going to be choices. And so in there, you're going to see stuff that will help emulsify, like yucca and agsil. And emulsification is important because you want to spread the oils or whatever agent is across your leaves really evenly. And then the other thing that people don't look at that's super important part of my weekly program is I use a really good sprayer. We offer the Chapin 1949 model. It's a concrete sprayer. And that's available over at Build-A-Soil. Now, if you have... If you live in a bigger area, any of the concrete supply stores in your town will offer this, and they'll probably give you a price if you say you found it online for cheaper, and you can go swap out parts there if anything happens. They're fully serviceable. The nice thing about a sprayer like this is it gives you a wand, and you can go underneath the leaf surface and spray the underside of the leaves and the top. One of the options we have there is for a fogger nozzle, which allows you to get a lot uh, more concentrated spray, a finer mist, so that you can really effectively cover the plants. And then the sprayer itself comes with a 0.5 or a 1.0 gallon per minute nozzle, which is just kind of a rating of the size opening. So not only is it important to use the Neiman Karanja oil or one of those with an emulsifier, but then how are you going to get it on the plants? With just a little Windex bottle, it's probably not going to do the job that you're requiring of it uh, as far as good prevention. You want really total coverage to the point where your plant's almost falling over from the weight of the water and everything's saturated. Um, and then the other thing to alternate with is we have an essential oil blend, and the essential oils was just based on our white paper research of all the studies out there in agriculture on which constituents of essential oils actually kill pests and which ones work, which ones don't. So once we found that out, we went to Liberty Naturals. They're a great essential oil company, and we looked at all their gas chromatography reports, 
And from that, we dissected which ones had more cineol and which ones had more linalool and which ones had more, you know, of all these different constituents that would actually work against the pests instead of just guessing. And so we put the most affordable and highest concentration ones together in the bottle. The challenge is, is like I mentioned, it'll burn your plant if you use it that half ounce concentration on your first go, especially if not emulsified properly. So uh, alternating every other week, I'll either do a neem oil spray emulsified with Agsil or the yucca, and the next week I'll probably do, uh, I'll alternate with an essential oil emulsified with the yucca or the Agsil. And really, that's all that you require. There's other stuff you can get, and we'll talk about malted barley and insect frass and other things that are part of your program that can raise the health of the plant so that these sprays are more effective. But at the end of the day, if you just go to that integrated pest management section, you'll see a lot of different options. And I don't want you to take our word for it. Any of those products, go research, and you'll find out why we started to carry it. There's just tons of facts out there, a lot of information. And when we bring Coot on, we'll ask him, a little bit of the history. One of the things Coot did for me as a grower that I'd like him to be able to do for you is teach me how to ask better questions about the product I use, research the actual ingredients that are in them against the cost that's there, and be a, a like a, when I go to the grocery store, I don't care about calories. I look at the actual ingredients in that food and if it's real. Same thing with stuff at the hydro shop. Unfortunately, most of the stuff at the hydro store um, it doesn't follow that model. So to get real information, a lot of times we're going to the big agricultural farming industry. And so if you can learn how to be on your own, ask better questions, learn about the ingredients and what's in them, one of the other things he does is he pulls information from thousands of year old advice, neem oil, alfalfa, barley, things that have been around and in connection with humans forever, not just you know last month and a brand new product that came out. So um, I want to look at the questions that are there because I know that it's, you know, we could go and talk about this stuff all day, but I want to answer some questions before we bring Kudon, like you mentioned. Sure. Would you? Was it easier if I read them to you, or do you want to just read them and answer them, or uh, what? Do you I'll just go through them and make sure we don't miss any together. So I'm looking right here, and it looks like on the very bottom, I see some Malibu questions. And one of the things that's new at Build a Soil, we've been using Ollie Mountain Fish Compost for a long time, and. Um, uh, we just started carrying Malibu when I went to the Emerald Cup. I was able to meet the guys there, and a lot of just serendipitous things happened where it was like a guy that I was with that's another grower knew who's making the, bio, the biodynamic preps for Malibu, and he was able to document and like, tell me that she's the real deal, like the best in the industry, couldn't believe it, and has roots out here where I live. And so all these little things happened, and I was like, dude, I have to get Malibu now. I'm really on board. And so I ended up buying a truckload and brought it out to Colorado, um, which shows you how important compost is, obviously, if we're willing to import that. But uh, we started using it, mixed up soil. Everything's taken off in it. I'm really happy with the amount of testing they do on non-GMO stuff. It really just fits the Build-A-Soil model. So the people that were asking about Malibu, so far, personal experience since I've started using it is I've not noticed any difference between the Ollie. Um, in fact, the only thing I would say is potentially maybe less fungus gnats based on their quality control and the shorter time it makes, takes to make the product. So... Uh, really excited about it. If you've been on the fence and wondering what we thought, um, definitely like that. Uh, next question, let's see. Langbanite, my teas. are crazy. They're like the only thing that you can't kill. Like everything else yeah, is, the is the easy. The big time supposedly as a drench does the job. Didn't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't do didn't really? it Really? So that's why I was testing the essential oils and actually killing them in the surface. And I'll report back to you, Adam, with a, a recipe that I find because it definitely will kill the fungus gnats. I just don't know if it's going to be possible 
add a dilution that won't mess with the soil too much. I mean, I, I the other thing is I like to ask Arbico was, about that. When you got them, you're watering too much is how I feel. I feel like, you know, just all right, disease off on the water yeah. a little bit, and then they kind of die off, you know what I mean? Or and there's physical barriers yes, to sand on top or whatever. Yeah, and no till it's harder just because we're always trying to keep it totally wet. Um, we're not trying to keep that wet, dry cycle. And so if you happen to have the larva in there, then it's going to be a process. And when we're dealing with organics, it's a reality. Like I said, there's probably not an organic grower out there who hasn't at least had fungus gnats once. And so it's uh, something I'd love to talk to uh, Ariana from Arbico a little bit more about because I feel like some of those biological controls is probably a, a huge measure of prevention. For instance, yeah. nematodes. in greenhouses... Yeah, I've seen nematodes the, murder them. The de- ne- nematodes yeah, definitely it, knock them back good. They're good. You just, you just the have nematodes to keep, die and then you they have to come back. Keep going yeah. On. yeah, exactly. Yep. So, it's like a so we'll ask her about that. Um, next question I see up here was Langmanite my teas as my soil was tired. What's the proper way of using the amendment? It's a zero zero twenty two. I gotta say Solpomag, Langmanite, you know, there's a few different names for that same product. I don't like it at all. It definitely has value if you're seeing on a soil test that you're low in potassium, but unfortunately in organic soil, potassium is the number one thing we're always in excess of. And so typically you're just gonna cause more issues when using that in any organic soil mix whatsoever. The only thing that I would consider it is when I'm using coconut core. I know some people really like compensating with that, and so there is some sulfur in it. Sulfur is really good. I like getting it from gypsum. So those asking about CalMag, um, I don't like combining the two together. Every soil test we get back shows plenty of magnesium, especially when compost and organic amendments are used. They're in there already. And so for the most part, we're only focused on... CalMag, nobody uses just calcium hardly. You know, they always combine them. Yeah, it's and just... it, exactly. They're always combined together, but in... When you go to agriculture and you, and you actually test the field and do tissue samples and stuff of regular co- crops, you're adding what they need, not just a combo product based on it being you know, a major issue. And so right. the other factor there is we want to keep it balanced in a certain ratio, and we're not doing soilless when we actually have cations and when there's nutrients. What? Did we lose Jeremy? Oh, no, buddy. Did you hit me? Oh, no. I hit I, I, I. I don't know. I'm asking I'm Jeremy if he's still on here. I, I, yeah, I, I, I clicked the, the torch and it went off. That was it. He's still on the so call, but uh, Jeremy may have muted his phone. Well, I'm on here. I can hear. I can hear you guys. Oh, okay. you can, no, we can hear you again. The torch is somehow magically, magically interfering. They muted. That's everything. super weird. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Well, anyways, I'll keep going through. So basically, to answer that guy's question, I don't like using Solpomag, and, and it's such a high... Anytime you see a really high number, I try and avoid those things. I'm more about well-rounded amendments, like alfalfa that has a little of everything, or kelp that has a little of everything. Um, and so that's kind of how I would go about that process. Also, uh, if, you're lo- if you're worried about magnesium and you want to test and see if it helps, you could just try a little Epsom salt. It's not salt, per se, like sodium. It is uh, magnesium and sulfur. And, you know, salts in the biological world are anything without carbon in them. And so there are natural magnesium salts you can get mined from the earth. But most of the stuff you get at the drugstore is uh, what's called pharmaceutical grade. And it's so that they've taken the impurities out so you can use it for soaking your feet or taking it internally. But either one of those will work. Uh, Just use small amounts, do your research on it, and we'll add magnesium. Uh, Typically, calcium is the bigger one, though. All the soil tests we have, once a harvest has been taken out, it's low on calcium, not magnesium. Especially ones using dolomite lime. The lime takes years to break down, and then it's a much higher magnesium. So um, that would be the question there. Next, uh, root aphids. We'll talk about that when we get um, Arbico and Kud on here. Uh, next, let's see, compost tea making. General public might not know. Um, realistically, I've been going 
away from any sort of tea. Um, and maybe the public doesn't know that, but I do like compost teas. I think they're you know, important for certain things, but typically in my experience, it's when we're in smaller containers trying to top dress and do lots of teas as much as possible. And, and really, I'm, I'm more working towards much larger containers and only top dressing, not having to put it in the tea. Meaning if I'm going to take a cup of worm castings and put it in a bucket, I'd rather just put it right on the plant. Now, in commercial setting, it's not always possible. And for people in a grow that's three to five to ten gallons, a lot of times they're going to have to supplement with teas, whether it be compost or whether it be some sort of you know, um, plant-based tea, just to, to, to keep up with the life of the plant. And what I mean is these plants will grow so fast that if you don't have a ton of biology in there, the nutrients might be there, but they're not getting delivered to the plant because the biology can't keep up. And that's where I like teas. As far as an actual compost tea, I would just pick the best compost possible, local, whether it be ordering in Malibu or just going to a worm guy down the street. If you can get something that's thriving with life and just keep it simple, that'll make the best compost tea, in my opinion. Um, aphids and all this stuff, the rest of that I'd like to talk about when we actually get, uh, get Arbico on so the phone. Do, and do talk rinse to, off to, after a neem foliar? That one just got posted. I, I personally don't at all, and I really like the sheen to stay on the leaves, so to speak, especially in veg, and I haven't seen it negatively affect anything. So I really like to use Axil or Yucca to make sure it's really well emulsified. I use one uh, tablespoon of neem oil, one and a half grams of Axil 16H powder emulsified to one gallon of water, and all these recipes are on our IPM report. It's available over at Build a Soil. You can email us if you can't find it. You can probably find it on Google also. But once you do that and I spray and then the lights come on, let's say 5, 6, 7, 10, 12 hours later, usually you see a really nice sheen on the leaves. And, in fact, you'll see people selling neem oil as a leaf shine. Cause they don't want to call it a pesticide. Leaf shine, that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't rinse off afterwards. With essential oils, I'm a little more particular about I typically don't rinse because I'll use anywhere from five to ten drops up to maybe quarter to half ounce. But if I get anywhere near that half ounce range because I'm trying to do eradication, I'll oftentimes rinse off afterwards before the lights come back on. Just essential oils can be really strong if there's any pockets of them at all. So, um, yeah, I get a little nervous with essential oils just with the lights and stuff. Yeah, it's always been like... Me too. Mm. They're very volatile compounds. <laughs> so um, The next one I hear is habanero spray. What up, Hillbilly? Um, so habanero spray is something that I've not used a ton of just because breathing that in and it, it's kind of gnarly and I am going to be looking at more making like EM5 and some of these, you know, things. But if you're curious about that, you can go to Gil Karendang's um, website, which is unconventional farmer and they have some pest sprays that you can make, do it yourself at home. And they talk about adding certain products like ginger or garlic or really, really high Scoville peppers. And uh, essentially, we're just making it inhospitable for any of the pests and also using some of these active plant qualities to, to, to kill them. And so uh, habanero has a place in the garden. I just It's not my go-to. I know some people also use tobacco and some other products out there. Um, tobacco is another it, one I would not put in my garden ever. I just don't like it. I've, I've tried it in the past. It, you know, I've, I grew my own tobacco last year, and I was thinking maybe something a little more like that might be worth a try. The nicotine in there, I guess, is, an, is a pest prevention. But, you know, tobacco gets pests as well. And um, there's some unique things about how the tobacco plant defends itself. But in any case, not every one of the tools you'll read about will end up having a place in your garden. And even all the products we sell, I, I tend to go just to the neem and the ag cell or the essential oil and the yucca, even though we carry other stuff. So every gardener is going to get their own routine that they're really comfortable with that's been working for them, and I think that that's important too. Like when we talk about cloning or planting seeds, 
dude, everybody's got their own method. And when we deviate from that, oftentimes we have problems. So I get that, you know, and I'm open to that too. So, um, yeah, I think now it's like important that when you go to shops, you need to have blinders on because you can get really sidetracked really fast. Like you roll in and then there's like some new thing and you're like, what's that? And you start looking into and you just obviously you're sucked right into it. You know what I mean? So like you were saying before, shiny packaging or so, whatever it is, it's just amazing because some shops I go into and it's like, I don't even know the brand. I don't know any of these brands. I'm like, well, who are these? Like, where do these come from? And it's just literally they have their little niche market somewhere. They're maybe not even gone. Uh, Some hydro region farm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're just like regional or whatever. But there's just literally so many different food companies and so many supplements and so many different things coming out. It's like, wow. If you, try, if you do try everything, you'll... Definitely have, kill your plans. <laughs> well, I have friends like that that just always are taking all the freebies and using them and going for it. It just kind of gets you. It's so out of whack so quick, you know, because you just don't know, especially when it's product well, sample products that are, people are throwing out. Cause, and that's when we come back to that that basic principle that Clackamas taught me that's really changed my life in a lot of ways is, okay, if you want to try this, let's look into it. What's in it? What are the exact percentages? How much inert ingredient? You know, how can I make this on my own? And so... You, you can end up looking at 20 free samples and going, hey, 15 of these are kelp extract. Perfect. I guess I don't need to guess, guess too much at what's in here. And so just having that understanding of what base ingredients, because if you think about it, we're just talking about commodities, waste products. And if you think, okay, there's 20 things out there in the United States that people will try and buy and sell and put into their garden, you can guess that most of those are what are in all the new labeled products also, just some different variation of those same ingredients. So... Having that base understanding super important when you're farming. So, uh, the last question I see here in the chat that I'd love to cover before we get cooed on is uh, actually a really good uh, general one: is how what are the steps you go through to emulsify? Do you use a blender? You use a hand mixer? Uh, how do you recommend okay. people do that? Uh, I've got a video on build a soil. Um, the easiest way is just to search on Google "build a soil emulsification" and you'll probably find it. But essentially, emulsification is one of those things that you've got to try it a few times on your own. And once you see it all come together, you're like, okay, that's perfect. The yucca has made it really easy for me. And we actually have instructions on the yucca because it's mainly for acreage because it's a 100% pure yucca extract. And so I forget the milliliters. I'm going to go look that up right now so I can tell you guys. But my main point with emulsification is that I like to use not hot water, not cold water, but slightly warm water in my sprayer, the same temperature water I like to work with in like a protein shaker cup, like a blender bottle, or an actual blender is fine. I just don't like cleaning my blender and going through that process. And uh, so in any case, I will do two things. There's either in a small cup of water, I'll put the oil and the agacil or the yucca and shake that all up. So basically I'm emulsifying four to eight ounces of liquid all at once, and then I'll dump that into my larger sprayer with the warm water. Typically, I swirl the sprayer water and maybe even put some aloe vera or something else with saponin in the, in the actual sprayer so it's ready to receive this emulsified oil once I mix it in. Then I immediately put the sprayer lid on and start shaking it up. And one of the things I'll notice if you use hot water, cold water, or if you don't bring the neem oil to room temperature first where it's really liquid, you'll think it's emulsified, you'll dump it in your sprayer and you'll look and it'll just be tons of chunks on the top. Yes. It won't have actually emulsified. So. If you put it in your sprayer and you look and you see it's still liquid, there's no chunks floating, you know you got it. And so don't be afraid to throw away a batch and just try it again in your first couple attempts at this because the last thing you want to do is spray water that literally had nothing in it and all the neem oil is floating in your bucket still. Yeah, it's all stuck to the inside think, of your thing. You know, you'll think you did it, but really nothing happened. And so uh, that emulsification 
if I use the yucca, for instance, when I tested it and put it in and shook, shook it in a protein shaker cup with that blender ball, I, I shook it with all my effort, and I set it on the counter, and I came back the next morning, it was still perfectly emulsified. So if you get it right and it really does lock up, uh, it will work. Now, a shortcut to all that, throw it in a blender and hit it. I mean, it, it just chops it up into little pieces. It emulsifies it really strong, and it makes it hold better. So if you've got a blender with an extra container or something you're not worried about, you know, I'm just kind of weird about putting the potassium silicate in my blender. Um, maybe the yucca and essential oils, but I think essential oils might be a little hard on the plastic container. So just be aware of that, especially if you have an expensive blender. Don't be rocking your Vitamix and, you know, worried about that container getting ruined. But it'll really help emulsify. So Nice. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah that's a, I think that's a solid answer. So I think we should bring uh, Clackamas Coot on. Okay, I was going to text him right now and yeah, see if I can I just think, get him to call in. I think that's the way to do it, and then uh, Ryan's here ready to accept the call. So, uh, chat room, I think we answered all your questions. Uh, best for fungus gnats, any specific pest remedies? We're going to wait till we have Coot and then eventually Ariana from Arbico on uh, to talk about it as well. And Jeremy's going to kind of facilitate those questions. Well, one of the things with the Agsil that I want to put back, the Agsil and Neem, especially in greenhouse production or in tents, uh, no powdery mildew has been able to s stick around. And I know that's a huge issue for some people, but in a smaller garden, I don't have experience with 10,000 plants or anything, but if I've ever seen powdery mildew and got it when it was like on its first leaf before it really took off, the Agsil 16H, something in that potassium silicate, maybe it's the alkalinity, I don't know, but that and the neem oil, it just crushes it. And if you do repeated applications every two or three days, even past the disappearance of the PM, I've really seen it work really, really well. So as far as a specific thing, um, it helps when I've seen it work, and I have a lot of confidence telling people. But unfortunately, the guy asking about powdery mildew on a forum is going to get 10,000 answers, and half the people have never eradicated it. But I've definitely beaten it with neem and Agsil, So um, We have some other questions here about specifics. With uh, Again, if you're asking about insect controls, any sort of biologicals. We're going to have uh, someone from Arbico on later to talk about beneficial life, and I believe this is Clackamas Coot calling in now to help us with it all. Perfect. Must mean he got my text. Nice. Technology. Oh. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Is this Clackamas? Yes, it is. Welcome back. Welcome back, Coot. Pleasure to speak to you again, sir. Hey, you too. How, uh, Jerry, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, uh, excuse me, the gentleman on the show that had the daughter a couple of years ago. Oh, that's Mitch. Yeah, yeah, that's Mitch. Uh, what's going on, buddy? How's your, how's your daughter doing? She's just great, man. Oh, she's great, man. Uh, we were just hanging out today. Uh, I spent the whole morning chilling with her. Uh, she's, she's <laughs> really, she was yeah. Yeah. Look at Mitch is blushing. I can even <laughs> yeah, see it. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually <laughs> I'm working or I'm going to work or doing something. Today I actually got to just like hang out with her. Mama slept and I hung out with her all morning. It was awesome. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, right on, man. So uh, per kind of perfect timing on your call, bro. Th and thank you for asking, by the way. Hope, hope you're well, too, man. Um, you bet. We're, uh, we're talking about sort of more nitty-gritty. I, I, I'm sure you've watched from the sidelines on this whole uh, Guardian controversy. I, uh, I have. I, mm -hmm. I trust Jeremy kept you up to date. And I don't know if you heard what I said earlier on the show, man, but, like, I don't know, you always taught, you know, to be skeptical. So when I... When I found out that we all kind of got lied to, I knew that I should have known better, and I wasn't that shocked, I guess. I kind of like, expected it. Um, 
So it made me I'll think tell you why I was shocked. Uh, I can only speak to the fighting with the state of Oregon, the ODA, Oregon Department of Agriculture. This isn't a legal mumbo-jumbo, but the fact is that when that filing was made, the way the Oregon set up, it had to include food. And so this wasn't just a slam against the legal cannabis industry. When you start messing with food supply, the level of disaster that can fall on you is tectonic. I know of a case here in Oregon about six years ago, the gentleman lied about what he was uh, applying on his tomatoes. He not only lost his farm, he did five years. Holy shit. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely um, makes sense. Yeah. So, oh, anyway, uh, I, I guess what I would say is that if I were in charge, and I wouldn't be, but if I were in charge of a legal commercial, a big one, we'll say, there's no way that I would allow a material to come in that hadn't been verified by a lab that I had confidence in. Now, how do you and feel about the fact that the state approved this stuff in both Colorado and Oregon for... Because the way that it works, we would like to think that products are submitted and they're tested and verified. No, it doesn't work that way. Products are submitted with an MSDS, and in essence, it's uh, a trust system, if you will. And so what it means is that the people involved in this and I have no idea that I don't really care, but they will never, ever, ever, for the rest of their life, ever be able to bring a product to market. Is there, I mean, a company wouldn't even hire them to sweep the floors. Uh, they're tainted forever. This is, in the, in, in the world of food safety and relative to pesticide and fungicide, this is massive. You know, it's not going to get swept under the rug because, well, it's just, you know, it's just pot, so who cares? Uh, at least in Oregon, anyway. That filing included food, which shows me that, boy, they need to get it. They should have had a better research. If you're going to rip somebody off, you better do your research. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, when you say bringing food, does that mean they had to submit a food sample sprayed with the product for their licensing? Or no, that's what I'm saying. No, no, I'm just saying they, that they certify that it's. Uh, uh, Safe for uh, eligible for, and based on what they listed as their ingredients, which were what essential oils, or maybe a surfactant, or I didn't have it right in front of me, but basically it was essential oils. Uh, then, but it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter as long as you submit the MSCS and you create that the manufacturer. This isn't through an agency, and then the states basically say, okay, well we're going to take it to work. And because think about it, how many filings there are every year for all kinds of things. Herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, antibacterial, antiviral. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So I say, you know, if I were running a tomato farm, say a big one, say, I don't know, a couple thousand acres, right? And I had an employee that met some guy at a Grateful Dead concert. And said, man, you gotta check this out. This is really killer insecticide. 
I'd get in 40 minutes and update his resume on my computer. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, you know, I mean, come on. Sorry. And then the price. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, there was I mean, obviously I don't more to... than essential oils in there. That was the first tip-off. Right. Well, there's another product out there that basically, if you added vinegar, it'd make a wonderful salad dressing. And, uh, I mean, it's corn oil and soy. It's got uh, Epsom salt, excuse me, magnesium sulfate. And it's got, so oh, excuse me, it's got sodium chloride. And there's something else in it. And this stuff is like $400 a gallon, really. <laughs> Go to Costco. Grab a 10 spot. And then stop at Walmart so you can get the, you know, Epsom salts. I mean, really? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the game. That's the game as it's, as it's played out. Anyway. Well, I know. Every organic product that comes out is just a variation of some oil, some essential oil, and then exactly. a new brand name for the year, you know? Yeah. I mean, I you know, I know I made a career, sort of, so to speak. I'm paid, of course. Um, you know, uh, Malini these really horrible products that are ineffective and they're designed to be. But what this company did goes way beyond that. I mean, you, you know, I mean, think it through. I mean, say a child drank this because that's what children do. They get into stuff, you know, and uh, you can't go to bring a child to the hospital and the doctor comes out and says, I'm sorry, this is proprietary. While your kid's flopping around like a speared tuna, I mean, you know, all these myths about proprietary ingredients and, you know, it's mythical and magical. No, it isn't. But in this case, they went way beyond just lying. This is way beyond trying to sell you a clunker, you know, a used car lot. So I don't have any sympathy. I hope that the full pressure of the court system, you know, sends them away. You know, the school, the expression goes, give them time to think things over. Sure. So do you, do you expect that there is some mechanism at play uh, working on just that right now? Cause it, Class action or something? It'll be, yeah, or or just the state of Oregon taking some action against them. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, because they were the one that discovered it. Sure. You know, yeah, through a, a re, uh, request for a test. Or I don't remember exactly the, the, the uh, series of events, but I know I saw the letterhead. And can I say something? You know, way back... When the whole thing was being voted on here in Oregon, and it was on the ballot like two or three times before it was actually passed, because um, there were some problems with the first couple of rounds, whatever the way it was set up. But when this was the one that was passed, when I first read, you know, I read it from cover to cover, the first thought in my mind was ODA? Man, be careful what you guys wish for. These guys make EEA look like Girl Scouts when it comes to enforcement. ODA is vicious. And they're going to... That's the bring, Oregon Department of Alcohol? Uh, agriculture. Because uh, mm -hmm. uh, think about the volume of agriculture there is in this state. They don't have... <laughs> you know, I mean, other enforcement agencies just don't have a lot to do. But boy, the ODA does. And I speak from personal experience, having been a nursery owner and a small-time berry producer. Oh, yeah. Fun times, man. So, it, this agency, I and I also predicted when they passed the MJ law here that uh, 
you know, for those who didn't want it, right, is always the other side. In a political discussion, things get settled on, you know, there's an agreement on different things. And uh, the laws here are going to be really strict, probably, compared to maybe, uh, I don't know your laws in Colorado, and some kind of, but I just know the way Oregon works. And uh, they're going to be really like uh, pit bulls on this uh, enforcement. I'm both recreational as well as medical, finally. Uh, so that well, actually, oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, when I'm pulling out from what Coot was talking about, and what I wanted to make a point here today is that a lot of people have told me, yeah, I'm relisted, or this, that, or the other, or certified by this company, or I've got the MSDS, and this is safe. This is basically an example where we can see that's not the case, and that one of the things Coot mentioned was, yeah, they just take them at their word for it. If you've got a thousand things get filed this year, you can see how from the government's perspective it works. Yeah, we take you on your word. Guess what? If we find out that's not your word, you're screwed. You're never going to do right. business again. And so it's an accountability factor from people that are in business to make money. We show them that they can lose all their money if they, don't, if they lie to us. And so that oftentimes in business is enough to hold people accountable. But we can see it's not enough. There's people that will say, hey, I don't care for a year. I'll make all the money and then be gone. And so that is where it's on the consumer to have all of their own due diligence on their own. We can't just trust anyone else. But if you look at it, it's not like there was some procedure where all these companies literally tested Guardian. No, they just took the piece of paper and filed it. That's what these companies do. So, Right. And, and uh, also keep in mind, I, and I'm not saying this company, because I don't know. Don't, you know. I don't know the whole story. But in many cases, and uh, I did this before at, at IC Mag. I traced a shipment from a specific phosphate factory in China all the way to the end user uh, impact at the facility right near El Segundo. It's, it's public information. It's not like... Yeah, you can look at the imports. Right. And, you know, this company was online with their puppets saying, oh, yeah, you know, it's uh, fabricated here. No, it isn't. It's made in China. And uh, you can't get baby food right. I don't have a lot of confidence in fertilizers. You know, I'm sorry, but... Or pet food or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know it's coming from waste over there, too. It's just like, you know, they're not... Of course, they're yeah. Not, they're definitely not producing it from, you know, virgin materials or something. It's like, we got a no. shitload of this stuff. I don't know what to do with it. And someone says, oh, that's fertilizer. Or that's, you know, it just gets rerouted yeah. and and priced out at to that tonnage price and everybody's happy. Oh, and it's crazy too. It's like waste from nuclear bombs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Know? No, it always is, right? And that's what I know. With the, all, all the <laughs> Every good time. Every time. Every it's, damn it's, time. Because there's a lot of, there is a lot of uh, military waste. There's a lot of industrial waste. There's a lot of, I mean, and that shit goes somewhere. Well, I got a call the other day from a kelp company wanting to sell me a new kelp product. And I'm thinking, new? How the hell, how many kelp farms are there? So, I like going to Nova Scotia. I like going to Acadian. They've got, you know, all of these things. But, uh, in any case, talking about kelp, I just took down where they were from, where they were getting the kelp from, and I did some research. Turns out it was on the East Coast where the kelp was just showing up on the shore, and the wealthy homeowners yeah. didn't want this ugly, fly-infested kelp to be there, and they'd call a company to come clean it out. Well, the company would come grab it, turn it into a fertilizer. I did research. I think it's the number one dirtiest beachfront in the nation. And I was like, wow, I don't want to get my kelp from there. <laughs> exactly. So a little bit of research goes Jersey, a long way. Yeah, These Jersey are waste kelp. products. That's Jersey kelp. I think it was. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I have never used green sand in my life, and it's because I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. I was like, I, that can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you're like, green sand. Can I explain Omri for a minute to your listeners? Because there's so much misinformation about Omri. Yeah, I want you to talk about the certifications and what they mean, because you're you're the one who educated a lot of us on it. Okay. Back in 1972, 71, something like that, there was a meeting over in Ellensburg, Washington, which is in eastern Washington. And there were representatives from Washington, Oregon, California, Idaho, whatever. It was discussed how to establish some kind of an organic certification. It was called, and so they called it TILT. And so it was this multi-state thing. I'll fast forward this. About four or five years later, whatever it was, Oregon broke away, not from anybody not getting along, just that different states have different crops and, you know, different things going on. So anyway, that this was born Oregon Tilth. And Oregon Tilth was around for 30 years before USDA finally published the NOP, National uh, Organic Program. It was passed in 1990, but it wasn't even implemented until 2000. Okay, so... These agencies that had been in existence, like CCOF, Certified California Organic Farmers, uh, Oregon Tilth, Washington Tilth, and others, they were allowed to continue to certify under their rules. And the way it works is that at the national level, USDA, here's a real-world example. Their ruling is on uh, baking soda, sodium bicarbonate, is that you can use it any way you want. Oregon Tilth says no. You can use it as a foliar spray, as a fungicide, which has been done since the 20s, but you can't use it in your soil to adjust the pH. So a sub-agency can restrict a USDA, USDA ruling, but they can't expand it. Okay, so let's say it was reversed, and let's say USDA said you can only use it as a foliar. Oregon Tilt couldn't come along and say, no, you can use it for any way you want. See what I mean? You can only work one way right but they could come and say you can only use it as a foliar once every 20 days Oregon Tilt could they could, can do it yeah, they yeah, can yeah, say yeah. You, you can't use it at all right it happens in many cases or actually I shouldn't use the word many but it yeah it's not it's not you know rare okay so then came along this was a lot of burden on wanting to sell something at Portland Nursery or you know, Denver uh, Plant Society or something, right? So they came up with OMRI, and OMRI has no authority. They can't certify anything. All they can do is list that it's been certified, and even then, they make mistakes. But it is no guarantee of anything. In fact, the way it works is that, let's say, Mitch wanted to come out with uh, super pesticide, and I want to come out with super fungicide. We go to Omri, and Mitch has been in business for 20 years. He's got a track record. He's making several million a year. He's going to have to pay more money for that Omri sticker than I am because I'm new. However, when it comes up for review in two years, if I've made a lot of money, then my price goes up. So it's a pay-for-play situation. And the OMRI listing means, if you go on their webpage and just look at the board of directors, where's the botanist? Where are the biologists? You know, I mean, seriously? It's, 
Yeah, it's another, it's another paid, is, paid for certificate kind of deal. Yeah, and it means nothing. Because if you read their mission statement, it states that they follow basically the rulings of Oregon and California, which have been established for over 40, almost 45 years. So your certification is important, but that isn't a certification. You want to look at stuff like U.S., uh, to a degree, USDA, but Oregon Tilt is not limited to Oregon. I could be a farmer in Colorado and have my farm certified, or ranch or whatever, orchard, as Oregon Tilt, if I adhere to the Oregon Tilt rules. And it's a five-year process to go from conventional through transitional to certified organic. Five years. And that certification process is used in over 35 states. It's also used in something like 50 countries. Will they certify cannabis, so, or have they contemplated certifying cannabis? I, I don't know, but I hope that they do. And uh, I know certainly that they certified, you know, I don't know, 95% at least, uh, on amendments. Or, you know, materials. I don't like, like using the word amendments, uh, yeah. but materials. You know, and then the, the other problem in the United States, to a degree, in my opinion, is that in other countries, they have a standard called wild harvested, which I think makes a lot more sense than going through a organic certification. In other words, uh, kelp meal, why does that have to be certified organic? Why not wild harvested? That would ease the system and make more sense to people. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's true with uh, some other things like uh, peat moss, for example. Now, I, I don't know that peat moss would necessarily need to be certified organic, but certainly the way that the core thing works, I'd certainly want to see that certified organic if I were going to use it, we'll say. Yeah, well, core grows, you know, it's young, so it has to be processed properly and all that, whereas... I mean, I'd be pretty much hope that that's past the 90-year organic mark or something, right? It's like things, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you'd be like, all right, well, that's a million, that's a, a million years old or something. So if, right. I mean, it's, it requires you know a little more effort than uh, stopping off to uh, talk to some buddies and see what they think. You know, um, it's. You know, you got to kind of, especially, I'm not talking about personal use. That's, you know, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. But, I mean, for uh, people that were spending, what, 400 bucks or whatever it was for a gallon of uh, water and uh, some essential oil, supposedly, uh, you know, some long-term planning probably wouldn't, you know, hurt. I mean, if you're going to, let's say you're going to do a big commercial growing, you're going to invest, I don't know what it costs, but I'll grab a number, a couple hundred thousand dollars, we'll say. You don't have the money to spend a hundred dollars to test the material that you want. You're considering buying, really? Does that does that sound mean spirited or? I mean, it sounds honest, more honest than most people uh, are dealing with in this industry. But it's, I mean, it's the true reality of it. A lot of people burn through all their cash getting their facility, you know, getting yep. in, getting mm-hmm. the lights on, and then it's like well, well and the lack of knowledge. You know, people don't know that the Omri isn't as respectable as they think it is. And so there's a little bit of false trust, I think, in certain areas. And here's the other thing. Right. I, I don't know enough about testing, but um, the fact that this showed up on a test as abermectin, even though it was ivermectin, let's say it was unrelated and it was 
I don't think it would show up on any tests, meaning tests don't test for everything. They just test against the known problem things that people might add, right? Right. So it's kind of scary, meaning there could be some new product. For instance, Avermectin wasn't really used in the industry. And I'm thinking he was hoping it wouldn't show up on any test because nobody was testing for it. I think where he got caught was the fact that it was close enough to Avermectin that it actually showed up. We may have never known otherwise. And well, to, to me, I haven't seen an actual lab report that says that it was... Me, me either. This is all speculation, you yeah. know, so... Oh, really? I mean, I'm not arguing. I didn't know that. I mean, so the actual uh, lab test that uh, caused ODA to put a stop sale on it, there is none? I mean, I personally what? haven't seen it. I've not seen it. Gotcha. Yeah, we are in okay. touch with... You guys okay. know the lab? OG it is OG Analytical. I don't know. There's only a couple labs in It is definitely OG Analytical. So we it sounds like if you guys know those guys, we know guys who know those guys. So we, we know guys who know guys. Yeah, we can figure true. out if sure. there's a way to look at this test. Well, I was yeah, yeah I mean I, I hate to be I'm not trying to be like you know, US district attorney here, but um these are public records. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh so I'm not sure that they can be uh, suppressed, you know, from in some legal matter. We might even take it to get to get the copy of it. Uh, you know, this isn't like an internal uh, document within the company. Mitch, this get the a, document. Oh, Mitch, get the document. document. But I mean, there is also you know, <laughs> get on the mic. I think there's enough, you know, samples in the market right now too that yeah, we could we could probably yeah, find yeah, some yeah, Guardian yeah, weed and get it tested. But in Oregon, there's only a couple labs that can even test for it that have the proper machinery to... Right, know, yep, right. Yeah. OG and uh, And I mean, I would like to see somewhere, uh, somebody else also explaining the difference between the abramectin and the ivermectin because, I mean, it can be a huge difference. I mean, even though they say, oh, it can be tested and it's close and whatever. I mean, because of the fact that they're using ivermectin in, in cattle, it means it's in your food already and it means they're using it all day long everywhere. And probably indiscriminately, and I'm sure they're not really thinking about it because they're not smoking the cows, or maybe they are, but, you know, they're kind of like, all right, right let's... Oh, that's the new thing. We don't do it with you because you're vegan, but if you haven't dabbed steak yet, oh, my God, oh steak my God. dabs? <laughs> just cut the fat off, right, and just start dabbing yeah. steak. <laughs> you dab some steak? You would dab steak, I'm sure. Well, you got to rosin the steak first, and then yeah, it's ready. Rosin. So now the kid's it, happy. He's really excited. Actually, cooking steak on a rosin press will be pretty awesome. Under 40,000 pounds. Do it. Pretty raw, that's for sure. No. When I heard the kid had the rosin press, under the pressure. It, I got it like the next week. Come out all dry. Yeah. Terrible. No, Juice it'll be great. Out. It'll sear the fuck out of it. I bet it'll be the juiciest steak ever. Go for Let's it. Let's try kid. it. Okay. Oh, sorry. Geez. Sorry. We got, sorry, we got, got all side on cooking steak with rosin presses. are all happy. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Uh, I was, was going to say, even with, with the, the testing and when they found the ivermectin, I know that Roger uh, Volker at OG Analytical, uh, I know some of the guys who were doing the pesticide research back home in Oregon. And, uh, you know, they, what, what happened was they were building this list up of these pesticides that they never thought that they were going to see. And they're like, oh, we're never going to see this one. And then all of a sudden, bam, it would just show up in a concentrate test or a flower test. And, you know, it's, it's exactly what we're saying here. It's like they weren't exactly wow. looking for the avermectin as to, you know. They, they, they wow. were just looking for what – they weren't right. expecting to find it. Right. So they were just checking out, looking for something else, something that other than what they expected popped up, and they were like, right. hey, what's this? Exactly. Yeah. 
kid. And and it's funny when I got some samples, and I still have these samples back in like the second week of October. Um, the guys at the shop where I got the, the those, they were talking about how there was a product at the pet store that people were using and spraying on their pan- plants that was identical to Guardian, which no is really, really? which is yeah, the absolutely. ivermectin. And this is back in October, ah. you know. And so somebody was already on the well, case. Well, it's on a f- uh, Pacific Northwest forum yeah, I saw yeah, a post yeah. about it. And yeah. so I went to Petco. I went to a couple shops, and I was like, "What the hell are they talking about?" Because we I was into the pesticide re- research, and I was like, "What the fuck." And sure enough, I you know I couldn't find it, but I went back and I asked those guys, and they were like, "Oh yeah, it's in there." And yeah, no, for for worm deworming or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's for right. deworming of dogs. Right. So there you is go. that is that Sunny Jiba over there? Yeah, yeah that's Sunny. Yeah. Yeah. I hey, love the black you know, soda. <laughs> you know how much uh, you know how much garbage I've taken from posters about neem oil. I mean, I gotta ask, <laughs> are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> seriously. I mean. Never mind. No, no, it's important. I get a lot of my confidence in neem oil from Ucoot, and obviously you gave me the confidence to use it right, and I've seen it work firsthand. So when I see people talk about it, I know there's gray areas, like people spraying it on flowers or using, uh, not emulsifying it or using a cheap neem oil. So it's important. Okay, let me explain neem oil real briefly. If you took all the constituents out, you know, the fungicide, pesticides, everything else, and you're just talking the straight oil, okay? And then you took olive oil and removed all of its constituents and flavor agents, right? They're identical. First of all, look at the plant itself. They're both droops. And even the leaf structure. I'm not saying they're related, but they're both droops. And they have a history that predates the modern era, the, whatever you want, the, before the common era thing, by at least three or 4,000 years. And in India, it is not uncommon. In fact, the Indian store that I go to to buy my goodies, Aretha Nuts and the other stuff, um, they sell neem oil for human uh, ingestion. And in fact, I bought leaves the other day, which is used to make a tea or a poultice, or you can also, what well, I'm going to use it for is top dressing plants. But my point is, and it's in every, you know, toothpaste, lotions, so hair, <clears throat> yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it just goes on and on and on. So if you want to smell so, Indian, use neem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell, yeah I'm not saying. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I once smoked Tulsi with my cannabis because I read about Saudis doing it. I thought I was going to die. So not everything <laughs> goes on in India. Am I recommending to the general public? I'm just saying. You know, uh, but so anyway, those those compounds that that, that give us the. Uh, what do you call it? The uh, fungicide, pesticide, and the other benefits. Those are carbon, hydrogen, oxygen molecules. And they deconstruct under light, which is why you want to spray it at the end of your light cycle. I mean, they're basically so terpenes, the, right? I mean, most of them that we talk about are the same terpenes, that, many of the same terpenes that we talk about in the, the plant itself. Uh, when we're talking there about, are some ter- when we're talking there about are like, linalool terpenes. and... and uh, uh, yeah. Oh, no, or, no. What? No, I'm t- well, yeah, I mean, it's specifically, specifically, it's like you have nimbin and uh, serenin, you have obviously the azadiractin, and s- some are anti feedants. Some of the compounds uh, prevent uh, the eggs from being formed inside the female. And then, uh, but it's not a contact poison. You could take, I wouldn't advise it, but you could take neem oil and drink it. and it might make you sick because of the 
flavor, but it's not going to, you know, you're not going to be at the emergency room, you know, code blue or anything. Sure. It's just like, okay. But contrary to that, though, the the extract products have warnings all over them with just pure azadiractorin extract, and so that's where I think some confusion comes from. Exactly, and those that is no more neem oil than a vitamin C tablet is to an orange. The uh, many of those are extracted using solvents, uh, and also because they're so one-dimensional. Think about neem having three hundred and sixty, whatever it is, seven compounds. Right? Well, they work in a certain synergy, and so just removing one, saying, "Okay, well." I think this is the active one. This is the only one you need. I think it's preposterous. Yeah, it's classic. Same. It is. It's like saying THC. Yeah, same, same, same exact deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And even if, okay, let's take the uh, essential oils that are used in over 90% of the pesticides at the grocery store, right? It's uh, whatever they're going to be, rosemary or it doesn't matter. If you took that straight essential oil and drank it, it would probably make you sick too, but it doesn't mean it would kill you. It doesn't mean that it's a poison. You know, I mean, that's why contact poisons or pesticides are considered to be more effective because you spray it and you immediately see dead bugs, right? And with these uh, biological agents, it may take you 24 or 36 hours to get the final results that you wanted. But you know what? Shame on you. Where's your IPM? You know, it's a lot easier to prevent these issues than trying to cure them. Yeah. Yeah, and, when, when, you know, it's classic. It's like when you have a healthy plant, it uh, doesn't matter what you throw at it, it. It all goes good. You know what I mean? Like it's like you can't even really make a mistake, but then the minute you're off kilter a little bit, it doesn't matter what you throw right. at it. You can't seem to fix it. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, what the hell? But it's because, I mean, you're just it's just your balance. I mean, it's a classic example of being out of balance in those uh, neem products, things like that, those are just really good at keeping the balance in, the, in check. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, so just uh, in that same vein, um, several people, myself included, have gone months, in my case, years, completely PM-free, but the ones that are in the, recently have been using uh, enzymes that... Uh, I mean, it's amazing how problem-free the gardens become after regular usage of three or four months, and that includes pesticide issues because there's an enzyme in malted grains, for example, called chitinase, and chitinase destroys eggs, the shell of the insect egg, which prevents the larva from developing and then, you know, eventually hatching. And then Jeremy can speak more of this one because I'm not up on it, but the uh, enzyme protease. Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, we were talking about these enzyme products like Big Time and others, right? And what we find is, for instance, there's one that you can research out there, Natural Genesis. Uh, They have an eBay and Google store or whatever, but they sell one called Clean Green. And it's been used by people for bed bugs and other things around their house. It's an enzyme-activated cleaning agent, and they use protease. And when you talk to them about it or when you read the instructions on their website, they say that the insects are made of protein and that they have a shell. And when you use the protease, it acts on them and causes them to molt prematurely. 
and it eats the protein portion of their body or whatever that, you know, however that's supposed to be, you know, said. It's like, and it's at like, that point, like they're now very oils. weak. Exactly. And so that's why these enzymes are being valuable. But one of the things I'm working on with Coot is bringing a malted barley product to the market that fits all the enzyme profiles, was grown organically, and uh, bringing it with all of the education and information because Coot's been experimenting with these things over the last few years, and so many of us have benefited from the questions that he asks. Hey, he doesn't just say, this will work. He says, here, try this. Let me know what you think. And you come back, and if you come back with a similar story that he was hoping for, it's, it's conclusive evidence that it's starting to work. And so in those malted seeds, you see chitinase, protease, all these beneficial bacteria. And lately, we've been grinding on the top dressing. You start to see a plant that not only is overall healthy, but um, all of a sudden, like I said, and you said I, I ruined it, but the cleanest garden I've ever had. And, you know, there's been times in the past where I had pests and problems, especially when I'm doing outdoor and bringing it to indoor and all these other variables. But right now, I cleaned up, started up from brand new, from scratch. I've been using a lot of malted seeds, and I'm really, really happy with the results right now. Um, so I know there's some merit to that. And that's what's so intriguing to me. How do these just, I think that we were talking about on Halloween, that pumpkin grower, right? World record pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah. He used a lot of similar things to our industry, the mycorrhizae and the teas and some of the stuff that are pushing yield. But I really think we're all going to be talking about enzymes over the next couple of years and how they unlock some of these secrets here. It's going to so. be the terps. It's going to be the terps of the, of the, of terps of the soil. Well, the one thing that I can... Zymes. Two, two things vouch for is increased uh, resin production. We like that. And, yep. Uh, no, you're going to like this one even better. Uh, between 10 and about 12 or 13% reduction in the flower period without a loss of yield. Mm. That's huge. So let's and say you're hesitant pulling, to say this, but I'm really excited that you're finally saying it because we've been talking about this for a while. Well, and I, because I, do either one of you remember Blue Jay? over at IC Mag. Sure. Anyway, you know, okay, well, now he's like the guru of no-till, which he should be because he really prepares. He's got uh, pots that have four to five years of use uh, and, you know, obviously several cycles. And all he does is top dress. He doesn't, uh, and he added uh, malted barley to his regimen uh, specifically, but, you, you know, you can use... Well, whatever. He used malted barley because it's uh, it has two forms of amylase, and it's the only seed grain that does. Uh, but you know, there's one enzyme that you you guys might really like checking out is phosphatase, uh, which obviously has to do the catalyst of uh, phosphorus. So check that one out. So anyway, you get all these enzymes that are in this material, and combined with some worm castings and a little bit of uh, wonderful folic acid from Dr. Faust, and you got a win-win situation. Yep. We've been hearing about phosphatase. A lot of new products come into the market with it, and so that right. always causes me to look at what had it before then, and I know that I've heard these words from you for years, not just what we're seeing now with some of these additives, and so knowing that we can get really affordable enzymes from a beer brewery and still get access yeah. to phosphatase and chitinase and all these it's really empowering, and so that's why I'm excited about the gnarly barley that we're going to be putting out. But at gnarly the end of the day, barley, I'm also awesome excited man. because everybody eh, is pretty very rad. But, no. <laughs> no, no, but, no, but, no, but still, people can get this anywhere, and it's so exciting, you know. 
No, Mitch, the actual name is, you ready for this? Don't laugh. Clackamas Coots, Gnarly Barley. Yep. Yep, that is, that's, yep, that's what we want. We like it, we like it. Yeah. I, I promise you that the first time you try it, okay, my experience was I didn't, because I didn't think about brewing beer. I mean, I know about drinking it, but I didn't think about brewing it. So um, I went and bought some barley seeds at uh, Bob's Red Mill, your store over here, and I malted my own. And uh, so I didn't do it right, uh, and I ground it up into a slurry after it was malted, and then I poured it on my plants at night. Next morning when I went in, the leaves were vertical. I just said to myself, you're the luckiest bastard in the world. You hit pay dirt. I've never seen anything cause a reaction in a plant like this did. Now, did I mean, you literally, do that based on research or just intuition? Or? No, as a, as a, yeah, intuition as a baker because in baking, artisan breads you add tiny, tiny amounts of barley malt, which increases the amount of air bubbles uh, that which is formed by yeast. Well, what's yeast? Well, yeast is a single cell. Fungi, it's a plant. So I'm thinking, well, if this single-cell plant is benefiting from this malt, then what would happen if you'd, like, dumped really good malted? Because this was out of a, a, you know, like a commercial retail pack for bakers. You know, who knows when it was ground. So here I was working with, you know, but, yeah, it was, came out of a, a session of smoking too much one afternoon. And uh, I thought, you know, i got to try this. So I did. And, uh, I mean, I just went, yippee-skippy, man. This is really cool. And uh, so I never tried to make it a product. I had it out there for the last three years telling people, yeah, you got to give it a shot, you know. And just more and more information came back from users or growers, you know. And, oh, my God, I can't believe it, man. I cut my flower time. I got more resin, you know, that plant's healthier. And I got all that for a few cents a pound. I mean, really? Yeah. Could, how, did, how, did you, how did you end up? You said you malted it wrong the first time. How did you end up doing it correctly? Oh, I went to Brew Your Own Beer, which is a online magazine for beer brewers. And I figured who else would know better than home brewers, right? And as things turned out, remember organic growing about six years ago and the cannabis thing? You were like a pariah, you know, like... The, there just weren't many of us, you know what I mean? Well, over in the beer world, like actually malting your own grain is maybe 1%. It's, I mean, it's a nothing. Uh, you you, you want to brew your own beer, you go to the uh, brew store and you buy the malted grain, and, you know, away you go. You don't spend three days checking around with what it takes to actually malt, correctly malt. And even then, you're not never going to hit the the profile enzyme profiles that are... Uh, professional malting company kits because i mean think about it if you're selling malt to a, uh, a brewery it's got to be the same every time right that's because you can't oh yeah i mean this is a religion that's why there's in the united states yeah i mean there's a wonderful malting house right there in colorado that has a lot of fame which they should because they do a lot of unusual grains amaranth and and uh buckwheat colorado Malting, I think it's called. 
Those and there's line up and just their business just exploded right now. Coot, you don't know what you just what you just. Well, did you, you can't buy anything from them right now. Uh, uh, they want you to lay out a year's okay. worth of business to deal with them. So that's why we're okay. But, moves. Okay, but here I want to throw. I got to throw out another plug. I found one up in Skagit Valley, north of Seattle, Skagit Valley Malting, and they do custom malting. Okay, and the big one in our deal is corn. If you could get malted corn to the market because of the cytokinin uh, uh, profile in corn, you could blow coconut water completely out of the seam. And corn, there's certainly... Don't tell everybody yet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there's, not, there's no corn. No corn around. I'm like, I don't have the label no. done yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the, the problem is... Is that you first? You got to find organic flint corn, and best wishes on that. You know, like right if you get work, I'll be here. Uh, and I'm a pretty good sourcer. You know, I'm pretty. You know, I know how to find stuff. Man, I have been all over this for weeks. Well, when we and get up to food, I'll, I'll talk Coast to you about something I found. Good, good corn sources because there's a lot of Kentuckyish. Well, even north, even north? like even like where even Jersey and fucking Dude, Jersey's there. got killer corn. I don't trust corn. that green sand. I don't know. I'm <laughs> telling you, we made okay. in, in, in Kutztown, New England, like Amish and, country and New England and stuff. It's, yeah, a lot of it's not it's great corn. A lot Sweet of it's like no, old it's school be, white. Yeah. Corn. It's got to be dent. It's what they call dent or flint corn. Is that white it's or that big you, stuff? Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, okay, what well, you guys would call Indian corn. Okay. That's okay. the small yep. kernel size. That's Big. the small kernel size. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I know what you're talking about now. But, yeah, uh, heirloom. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, really heirloom. Uh, Purple and different then try colors to, and stuff. Then, yeah. try to, then try to malt it. Oh, jeez. I mean, I can do, you know, wheat, uh, rye, barley, stand on my head. I've been decking around this batch of uh, corn for four days now, and it... Uh, its future doesn't look good. <laughs> so, so the, the process uh, for malting hard, is basically hard. like baking it in an oven, right? Is that no, no, no. That's roasting. No, malting simply means sprouting, sprouting and then arresting the uh, process. And you do that. You don't want to go over 120 Fahrenheit because you'll destroy the profile structure. Uh-huh. Now, once it's once you have malted that grain, just like you mentioned, some grains are, are roasted to achieve specific color or flavor profiles. Uh-huh. And if you went to one of the uh, wonderful beer homebrew uh, websites, you know, where you, the people exchange information, and they also exchange recipes, what you would find is that many recipes have three or four or even more types of malt. But at the core, you have to use unadulterated malt because you need what? The enzymes. The whole thing is enzyme-driven, right? So if you roast it and kill it and you get this neat caramel flavor, that's wonderful. But you're still going to have to right. add you don't have what some of the... Right. And, and uh, you know, like the oldest brewery store in America, fortunately, is in Portland, Steinbart's. And they were here long before it had a microbrew. They've been around since 1919, proving that Portland earned its Birvana title, you know. And... Uh, you go there, man, they got all kinds of neat shit. I mean, they got rye. They got white wheat. They got red wheat. They got oats. They got, you know, just on and, and then all this imported stuff. So when I first started, like, really getting this thing down, you know, I wouldn't call it a science, but a, a process, I was buying everything they had and testing it. 
and uh, it was really fun to see that. And out, outdoors, my garden, my tomato plants, my uh, culinary herbs exploded. Stronger flavors, uh, really healthy uh, plants. So, like the peppermint was more pepperminty, whatever you want to call it, you know. And the uh, basils, like the Tulsi's and the cooking basils, were just off the charts. So, Which reminds me, we've got some recipes of yours over at Build a Soil on how to make, um, you know, using mint plants and rosemary and other things, uh, a quick extract for uh, pest management spray and utilize some of those. So obviously if it's extra minty, it'll probably be helpful in your pest spray. So, Absolutely. And for your uh, enjoyment. You should do like a pest and breath spray, I think, combo. Mm-hmm. Like as you're, in the, <laughs> when you're, as you're in the room, you spray around, but then when you need it for yourself, you give yourself a little blast. Just pull an Ace Ventura pest spray, spray on your plants. plants. Yeah, because you know it's good. You know, it's no biggie. <laughs> Nothing bad um, in there. Hey, hey, Miss, you think I should uh, let the Arbico lady know that we're getting ready? Yeah. I don't uh, want to miss out on her. Yes, sir, I do. Yeah, we're, we I guess we should do our shout-outs, and, and why don't you bring her, her on? I figure we can all talk together, you know, but yeah, I really want to hear from her. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, let's get her on. Let's, let's do shout-outs and do it. Get, you get her organized, and we'll do shout-outs. Cool. Boom. Okay. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. <laughs> so we'll start off with Way to Grow, number one sponsor since back in the day, since before it had any structure whatsoever on the show. Which Pre-kid. You, you, think this, you think this has no structure, but imagine when I started. It was pre-me. We, we pretty much uh, <laughs> put Adam Dunn yeah. show. There's the BK period, which is before kid. Uh-huh. And now there's we're a in the BM BK. period. There was a BM, BM period. period. Oh, that was really bad. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, but Way to Grow was there then. They were even there then. Exactly. And uh, they have seven locations all over Colorado. No matter where you are, you should be able to get to them. Our favorite shop, I can say R now because it used to be my favorite shop, but now it's our favorite shop, is the 1051 Platte River, 20,000 square foot shop. Everything you need. And right now they're doing the light it up. New Year sale, which is Hortilux all across the board, down in price from fifty nine for a thousand waters, uh, which are the ones obviously most people are going to be buying. But if you, it's time to stock up also on the blues and things like that, which you need uh, if you want to have a nice healthy veg area. I like to sprinkle them in. in you can do in flour checkerboard. The end, checkerboard, you, know? you can check. Yeah, yeah well, blues, man. Yeah. it's nice if you can. Uh, pay somebody to run around and change bulbs <laughs> <laughs> it's a pain in the ass that change bulge. bulbs and um, clean glass all and day. if it's you're but if you hire somebody to do that they're probably the same kind of guy like the kid who will love all the candy and uh, you could pay, pay him in candy I think I don't love, I don't you could like probably pay that guy changing bulbs though pay him in candy See, look, he's already thinking about it. He's thinking I'll about pay it. it. <laughs> <laughs> really have to, like, you really have to decide how many bulbs, how much candy, uh, what yeah. kind of candy. Uh, from which shop? Milligram. From right, which yeah, shop? Yeah, it doesn't even, it doesn't even have oh. to be medicated. Well, there you right? go, milligrams. Segway, milligrams. Because I guess they have, they, I have to. I, I, and uh, that's a perfect segue to? Incredibles. Oh, there it is. Bam. Name uh, them all. We haven't done it in so long. Oh, come on, okay. kid. In, in uh, Morgan uh, Freeman's voice. No, but Boulder uh, Bar. Regis could do it. Regis the could Monkey do it. Bar. Regis is easy. The Strawberry Bar. The Peaches Bar. The Mile High and the Mile Higher. No one's checking. The Afgato, both flavors. The Makiba. The Peaches and Dream Bar. Um, the Cookies and Cream Bar. The um, peanut butter Buddha bar, the Afgato bar, the twelve bars, 
That's all of them. And then if you have the Firecracker Bar, which is, uh, you know, uh, seasonal, seasonal, that new pumpkin bar. And then they also had a uh, candy cane bar that was released for Christmas for a while. I think I just got them all, I'm pretty sure, right? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, right? (laughs) Plus, next time, I'm I'm sure the intern next week will have a whole list and he will be checking. Yeah. To make sure I got that. Yeah. yeah. Turn, so that is good. Are you yeah. paying attention? Yeah. You're, you're going to be thinking about angles, see, let's, angles let's like let's that. Okay. Must I'm have pretty that. sure I said them all. I got, I got 12 we don't, bars. We don't, have, these, we don't have to check. We don't have to check. And of course, big, big we shout out to. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Was this? Fucking got them oh, all. Oh, man. Yeah. It's finally. You're finally. Plus, they're gummies, pills, and of course, the incredibly grown and locally grown yellow label, black label shattered. Fire. Fire. Big big that's shout like out of invitation. Drop fire! That's all he ever yeah. does on his stuff. That's, that's, that's all you have to do. Who's this? Joe Rogan. That's all you have to do. Who's oh. that guy? I never heard of him. Who's Joe Rogan? Who's that guy. Big <laughs> big big shout Everybody out. He wants to also. wrestle you. Yeah, <laughs> kid. He heard you getting too big what? for your britches, champ. He heard the word champ. He's like champ. Joe Rogan wants Joe to roll Rogan. with you. <laughs> no thanks. No he heard your camera Scary angles. He loves fuck. your camera angles with the with the he's extra big, couch extension. Big, big, big man. He's a bad knows, man. He knows he's a bad man. He's a bad man. <laughs> okay, big, big shout out to Dark Horse Genetics, who do, isn't doing anything with Joe Rogan, but they're doing something with Gorilla Glue. Oh, there you go. And uh, see, I didn't think I'd be able to pick that see, up. See, everything but Joe Rogan. Gorilla Glue, the kid, and not Joe Rogan. See, <laughs> so it's okay. You said Joe Rogan 12 times now. <laughs> Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. <laughs> and, and I believe they're going to have another big announcement, uh, formal announcement. <laughs> Uh, this Friday, you can check on their social media. Of uh, that's a teaser, by the way. That's a teaser where you. <laughs> but another big announcement coming uh, this Friday uh, of uh, another partnership that we'll be working with Dark Horse Genetics. It's Sesame Street. I ruined it. It is. We are officially <laughs> You're start licensing teaching kids younger age. No, about the appropriate ways of handling cannabis consumption. I saw somebody said that they thought I sounded like a Muppet. So that's probably, <laughs> yeah, that's up, probably why. Jason Siegel and be like, let's make a weed Muppets. Well, I always said I'm Kermit anyway. You know I'm Kermit. You are Kermit. Kind of. Your voice you is know, a little Kermit. And then Cece's like, so that means I'm Miss Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big, big shout out, of course, to Build the Soil, bringing us today's episode uh, our number one resource for these information, uh, these information, this information, these information, uh, these information, this information. Uh, <laughs> check them out. Uh, Buildthesoil.com. Uh, obviously, Jeremy's a pretty friendly guy, and he loves to share. So. He's kind of he's, he's all right. He's standoffish, right? <laughs> pretty much. Their Instagram's at, awesome too, though. Check them. I mean, I, I just say that because I follow them, but check them out at Build the Soil on Instagram because uh, you get to see it's like. Behind the scenes of Build the Soil, you get to see a lot of like their orders being received. Oh, is it all slow pallets. motion? Is it in slow motion? No, <laughs> slow motion videos. That would be cool. Sounds like I need to do slow motion. Yeah, right. like dropping down a big pound, <laughs> mixing dirt and stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> theme songs, all that shit. On that note, let's yeah. bring it back to Jeremy and bring it back to Coot. And have we lined up Arbico Organics? Yeah, she should be calling in here. So if you look for a phone call, I'm going to tell her to call right now. She might already be doing that, but cool. How many lives do you have I right just now, Mitch? Texted. We got a, a, a quite a bit. We have big numbers. One seventy-seven. Nice. We peaked at two hundred three. I think a lot of people were like, you know what? I I'm gonna watch this when I can get a pen and a pad later. I know it's gonna be on replay, which is usually how these goes. Here we go. There we go. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Hi there. Is this Ariana from Arbit? It is. It is. Welcome to the show. And he you're even a- said your name right. I didn't even have to tell him. You're no, a- he said. 
<laughs> on the place. air, uh, you're with Jeremy uh, from Build the Soil and our buddy Clackamas Coop. Hi, everyone. How do you do? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on. It was kind of random that I reached out to call you, and <laughs> it always speaks a lot about a company when they're, they're, when they're able to move on the fly real quick and say, yeah, I'll do it. I want to help people learn about this stuff on their own. And uh, for me, it was just an easy choice because I always look up Arbico. It's kind of like my natural go-to when I'm looking for stuff like that. So thank you so much. Um, of course, for, for doing this. Yeah, my East Coast guy, Tim, he's like, oh, I've been using Arbico nematodes. <laughs> Gave me the whole recipe with quickly on the phone. <laughs> yeah, we're thrilled to be able to spread the message to uh, anybody that will listen that chemicals are no longer the way. Good for you. So your intro? Uh, I mean, I... I thought Jeremy was doing it. Sorry. Oh, Jeremy, you're in charge, by the way. So, yeah. yeah, Jeremy. I, I can do whatever you want, guys. Yeah, take away, man. <laughs> it, it's your, it's your right, guest. Well, I'm sure you have I, questions. I, I have questions, too, but I want to let you uh, lead in I, with I wanted to, Yeah, I wanted to start off just hearing from her what are the most popular things that she's heard working in our industry in the cannabis growing environment, and particularly, obviously, with the Guardian uh, thing. I mentioned to her that if we've got a solution for russet mites and broad mites, and um, I'm also hearing a lot of people asking about root aphids. Those in particular would probably be really valuable info. And then I'm also really interested in fungus gnats, things like that. That's so right. anything okay. that you could recommend. Everyone on the head right there. That's OC. That's it. Just throw some pins okay. in there and we're covered. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, also, yeah. I, I don't want to forget to ask you about your, ascent, your enzyme cleaning product as well. Okay. Okay, okay I'm making myself a note that we're going to mention Tweetman at some point here. Okay. So, um, okay, well... We, I mean, we really focus on using biological control to uh, control pests, whether the pests are insects, which we mentioned, you know, the russet mites, broad mites, root aphids, um, but, you know, we're in Arizona, Arbico is located in Arizona, so what we deal with in the cannabis industry here is not necessarily the same as what everybody's dealing with around the country, so I know powdery mildew, which you mentioned, is a big issue in Colorado, um, that's not such an issue in Arizona because we're incredibly dry. So we, we take a little bit of a different tactic for uh, each of these pests, in, in we, and we cater to each growing environment. So what you could use outdoors is not necessarily what you're going to use indoors. Uh, what you would use in hydroponics versus soil, totally different. But Arbico strives to have a solution for all of those things. So, um, well, I guess we could start with, do you want to start with russet mites? They are yeah, really treacherous. Sure. Yeah, sort I, of I would like to start with russet mites, I am pretty sure. Get it over with. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are, I, well, that's, you know, do you remember years ago when people would talk about spider mites and, oh, spider mites were going to ruin their grow? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yep. they had to, spider mites. Yeah. Nobody I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you clearly don't know what's coming. <laughs> so, um, for russet mites, um, if, Unfortunately, because they are so small, they're so microscopic, a lot of people misdiagnose and think that they are nutrient uh, deficiencies or, you know, some new issue. And so a lot of times by the, by the time the grower has realized that they have a, a russet mite infestation, that, it, that infestation has grown exponentially and, and really is problematic. So um, we, we definitely recommend different controls for different stages. If you are in a veg state, uh, if you're working on, you know, vegetative growth, using a spray to help sort of suffocate um, mild oils work very well. 
Um, but unfortunately, once you get into flowering, with, and that's typically when people figure out they've got the russet mites, um, we have several insects that work well for them. Arbico has a great line of uh, predatory mites, um, and they come several different ways. You can, you can spread them loosely, or they come, um, there's these brilliant new packages called sachets, and the, the sachets hang on the plant, so that way when you're in flower, you don't have any of the substrate sticking onto the buds, because that can be very problematic when you're oh, trying to... Yeah, so if you've ever bought green lace wings or anything like that, they come in sort of a, a brand, and if that gets stuck to a bud, it is really difficult to get it off. And sure. so they've come with these breeding sachets, which um, come with adults, eggs, and nymph the nymphal stage of the predator, and... Um, and you just hang them on every infested plant. So we've got a couple of them, uh, and unfortunately, they don't really have great common names, so the Latin name is the best way to identify them. Uh, but the Amblyseus cucumeris is my absolute favorite, and the funny thing about Amblyseus cucumeris is it's actually a thrips predator. So... It, not only will it help with the spider mites, not only will it help with the thrips, not only will it help with other soft-bodied pests, but it actually will go down and find those russet mites, this, you know, and, which you, is an amazing thing, because if you think about how small they are, and, and the Amblyseus cucumeris is actually a mite that you can visibly see. So you don't need a microscope, you don't need a hand lens, you don't need any of that, and, and somehow it manages to find those teeny, tiny little worm mites and and grab them and eat them and they are incredibly voracious predators. Um, really cool. So let's say you started off like an early veg using not only the spray, but here's my question: If you use one of these, would you want to avoid using a spray when you have the beneficials there? Absolutely. So I always recommend that you do if. Even if the infestation is, is not an infestation, uh, typically we rank them on a scale of 1 to 10. Even if the infestation is relatively mild, oh, doing a spray, if it's possible, is always advantageous because you're going to suffocate the adults, you're going to suffocate the nymphs, you may not get all the eggs, but it really does start the process off strong, you know. So um, with russet mites also, there's a lot of research showing that sulfur works well. Uh, hmm. the, the sulfur is a spray that you definitely don't want to use, or is a product you don't want to use when you've got beneficials, uh, especially predatory mites. But if you, the tricky thing about sulfur is the best way to do it is to really atomize, and atomizers are expensive. Not everybody yeah. keeps one. Uh, and to find this, a sulfur that can be atomized uh, is also relatively difficult, especially in, in the realm of organics. So, but but if you're if you are growing organically and you're not certified organic, sulfur is a really good option for the vegetative state before you in, introduce the beneficials. Also, so that makes sense. I've heard other people say that, and I was always leery because I know there's a lot of bad information it's, it's and not, really bad in flour. Oh, so. oh yeah, absolutely. Do not use it in flour. <laughs> no, yeah, it's absolutely not. No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. I can hear. It got cut out for a minute. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so the other thing about the beneficials, and this is going to sort of cater to all of the, the pests that we're talking about. Jeremy? Yeah, we can hear you, Jeremy. Uh, Everybody can hear. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, we're all here. We're everyone, <laughs> sorry, please proceed. <laughs> please. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, yeah, like I was saying, this goes for all beneficial insects. Um, 
catching them as quickly as possible and introducing beneficials at the very beginning is the best way to control in any infestation. So that would include, uh, so you would generally recommend hanging one of these sachets maybe on every plant in, you know, throughout its life cycle? Or if it were early on, would you, would you not need as close a concentration? How would you apply that? Well, I, you know, in, in the vegetative state, it's, I, I think having preventative insects is, is a wonderful idea. Uh, these, the, the Amblyphase cucumeris, Amblyphase andersoni, uh, Amblyphase phalasis, those are really the three that I'd recommend for russets. They're, they're more on the expensive side. So unless you really know you've got a problem, there are other generalist predators that can be introduced into a grow um, to sort of clean up any, any potential issue uh, without breaking the bank. So... These are um, these are really good insects to to use when the infestation is low and let the, their populations grow uh, as you're preventing pest infestations. But um, but yeah, I mean you know ladybugs, green lacewings, my new pirate bugs, um, uh, you know any of those sort of generalist predators are, are a better option in in the vegetative stage, I think, unless you really know you have a problem. The other thing we recommend is if you have a problematic plant that is infested specifically with russet mites in the veg stage, it might be better off to, to avoid taking that into flower. Uh, you, you really need to quarantine as, as rapidly as possible to get it away from the other plants because just like spider mites, russet mites, broad mites, cyclamen mites, all of those really pesty bugs reproduce incredibly quickly. And so if you don't get them out of that general area as fast as you notice, the potential for them to jump from plant to plant is, and I'm using the word, the word jump very loosely, um, is, is incredibly high. So if you don't have the option of quarantine, then it, you know, sometimes it may be even worth it to just get rid of that plant and then mildly treat everything else. So we're yeah, uh, makes sense. we're looking we at the link getting on rid of plants earlier. Arbico Organics for those sachets and you know five hundred sachets for one hundred forty three bucks. Uh, I think every commercial grow I know of would it's worth that money. Would hang one of these yeah, on every that's single not plant. Not much at all. No. Yeah, I mean, and you know, so I I use I am using the that you do want to break the bank because I. What we're doing is we want to make this available to the single pot grower, the person that's still growing in their closet, to, you know, the people that have the very, very large grows, the very large commercial grows. So we want to be able to cater to everybody, um, which you'll also notice on the website, we, ha we really do have a variety of insects uh, at all different price points so that nobody has to say, ah, oh, you know, I can't afford this, I'm going to go buy I, what, I don't even know what they're using, you know, chemicals they're using now. But instead of doing something like that, they can, you know, they can spend eight ninety five and buy ladybugs. Right. Um, so, so I want to also uh, continue through the list of problems that people have asked us for your advice on fungus gnats being totally, generally just a nuisance, but everyone's a nuisance. Yeah. So I mean, fungus gnats can be uh, incredibly problematic. They can take down a whole grow. Unfortunately, I have dealt with a fungus gnat issue that eliminated several plants, so I'm familiar with that heartbreak. Um, fungus gnats, the adults are, are, are going to be what you see first, and um, the fungus gnat larvae is really what the problem is, yeah. because they are... The first time you look at those is the first time you're like, I really have a problem here. Yeah, like, these are exactly. Fungus. Yeah, they're disgusting. 
they're terrible. Yeah, it's like, are those worms? Nope. Yeah, you're like, wait, no, I thought those were roots a minute ago. Now I'm looking at my roots from moving. They're, moving. they're like maggots. Yeah. <laughs> and they are maggots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, so, well, this brings up another really good point, and I, I don't know if you guys, if this is something that you proclaim, but I don't care if you have the cleanest grow in the entire world. If you don't have sticky traps up for monitoring, you're, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Every, no matter what the grow is, no matter what you're doing, uh, you have to have sticky traps because a lot of times we don't have time to, in, to inspect every leaf of every plant, and we miss stuff, um, especially when it's as small as an, a fungus net larva or a fungus net adult, which is what would be stuck. So, um, sticky traps but, are great part of the process of integrated pest management. Exactly. I like, the ones yeah. the, I like the ones with the grids on them, too, because then I kind of feel like I can count how many are in You can grid. count. Like, it's much easier. My, my brain gets around it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, grid. You do the blues That's, and the yellows? <laughs> yeah, uh, and actually, and yellows, yeah. they're coming out now. Uh, they've, I've just found uh, sticky traps that are blue on one side and yellow on oh one side. Oh, my God, side. they finally have the oh technology. Yeah. <laughs> <They finally laughs> it's it. like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or something. Like, you yeah, got your yeah, blue it's magic. my yellow. Uh, <laughs> now they just need to put a little tiny green light in it to attract all the gnats at night. Yeah, well, so, and the, the adult gnats aren't really doing anything, but it's important to remember that every adult gnat you catch is one less breeding adult. So, so yeah. it is incredibly important to take care of those adults. Don't just brush them off because they're laying eggs and the eggs are going to hatch into maggots that are going to eat your roots. So, um, that, that is a very important part of the cycle also. Um, but so if, if you're trapping the adults and a lot of times, and I know it's inevitable, especially when you're doing, you know, um, if you're growing hydroponically or you're growing in rock wool or cocoa or anything that's holding water, um, fungus gnats, they're sort of inevitable. Um, but a lot of times, I mean, and I, I don't mean to, I, this is not always the case, but a lot of times it means you're overwatering. It really means that, that people are getting overzealous and, and really just want to, you know, give the plant as much water and as much nutrients as, as possible, and sometimes it's a little overkill. And, and the plant may not display that, but, but, the, but really healthy plants aren't as susceptible to infestations. And so when you do see a, a pest population spiral out of control, usually that means that there's a secondary issue, So which goes back to the integrated pest management thing, you know, where you've really got to focus on on healthy soil, healthy plants, so or whatever grow medium you're using. But yep. um, in that, beneficial nematodes are a beautiful option for treating the fungus gnat larva. Um, you guys are pretty familiar with the nematodes, right? Yeah, yeah we were talking about them earlier. On, there's no way to keep, keep them alive, right? They're just going to keep dying, and you got to keep putting them in. Right? That's the hardest part is more maintenance. Yeah, so they aren't necessarily dying, but um, unfortunately in in the cannabis industry, there's a lot that goes into um, growing in pots. So a lot of a lot of people are growing in whether that's you know whether they're growing in hard plastic pots or they're growing in smart pots or whatever. But there's always leaching. There's always runoff, especially when we get into flushing and or you know or we're we're really working on heavy fertilization schedules. Anytime that water is running through, you're, you are risking washing the nematodes out of the growing medium. Yeah. So now if it's you're working in large but beds, though, though, this yeah, is great, beds though. are great. Yeah, and the other thing I have is I have my outdoor hoop houses. Sometimes I'll have a water source, like a pond on the property, 
mm-hmm. and that'll be the source where at the end of the season they're just got fungus gnats peppering all their buds. So if they could put it in the water and put it around the greenhouse and really prevent before that swing in the humidity comes, I think it'd be really helpful for them. So. Yeah, and it's incredibly important to treat around the grow area, too, because I think people forget that if you are growing outdoors or even if you're growing in a tent in your bedroom, uh, if you have plants outside that are pest infested, those bugs are going to get into that, that area, that grow area. Regardless if there's a wall, a house, a window, a hoop house, whatever, they're going to make it in. So it is incredibly important to treat around. That's why I love growing in winter. yeah very few pests um but we also have another predator we sell and and this is the most common mistake people make is with hypoaspis miles so i get emails phone calls pictures text messages people freaking out because they are checking in their they're they're checking in the root zones and they're finding fungus gnat larvae and they're also finding uh, what looks like a mite and, of course, we've all been trained that mites are bad, and we get scared and have a freakout, and then they come running to me with, how do I fix this mite problem? Well, Hypoaspis miles is a predatory mite that lives in about the top two inches of the soil, yeah. and they actually feed on the fungus gnat larvae. And so uh, in a lot of soil mixes, they show up naturally. I mean, in, we, I have a worm bin in my office, and they show somehow. They're there. They're there. Yeah. And and they're they're wonderful and they are voracious um, and you know so and they work in combination with the nematodes. Now I was using the Malibu compost and somebody mentioned earlier uh, you weren't here for this Ariana but we just started carrying a new compost and a couple of people that have used it including me have felt that after top dressing fungus gnat larvae went away a little bit. We're thinking maybe it's got a better population of these predatory mites and in looking at the soil especially for my home worm bin there's tons of them and I think that. When I first see fungus snap boom, a lot of times I won't see any mites. And then all of a sudden, after a little while, I'll see tons of those beneficials, almost like it's coming in to take care of the job. Well, they habitate healthy soil, so I wouldn't doubt that. Um, Is there worm castings in the compost? Yeah. Well, in our soil recipe, we use worm castings and compost. So I I think it's pretty common for this no-till style of growers to see these beneficial mites. Now what happens is a bottle grower or hydro grower will start growing organically for the first time and they'll call me, I've got something moving in my soil, I need to kill it. I'm like, is it moving fast? It's probably okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's not hanging out, munching on the roots, you're probably fine. But yeah. that's not to say about roof aphids because roof aphids can uh, move very fast. There you go. You that's just, the next uh, one on the list. You're a talented segue. Yeah. You... So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Good, please. Oh, this is Clackamas Coot. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you also. I uh, wanted to interject one thing. For years, it had been peer review after peer review, study after study after study, that uh, quality worm castings, or vermicompost, more accurately, provided a high level of uh, disease suppression relative to pathogenic fungi, right? Mm-hmm. About three, maybe four years ago, uh, a PhD candidate by the name of now Dr. Yasmin Cardoza, who worked and studied under Dr. Clive Edwards at uh, Ohio State. Uh, her dissertation for a doctorate was on the insect suppression benefits of using quality vermicompost. Now, this is a far what they're talking about is a far cry from going down to the nursery and grabbing a bag of something that says worm castings on it. I'm talking about from a legitimate uh, producer. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I make my own castings, 
And during the whole cycle, while that's working, I add kelp and I add organic neem meal. And in that cold uh, composting process, those uh, compounds and secondary metabolites remain intact so that when it's then used in a potting soil, you're carrying over the uh, insects that you're talking about, for lack of a better word, sorry. You're fine. Uh, I'm a soil guy, not a and so a combination of that, um, and I know that I'm an atypical grower, okay? I'm really hardcore about what I use and how I use it and when I use it. But I can tell you that you could put a SWAT team on guard in my tent for 24-7 and you wouldn't find anything hopping, flying, it shouldn't be there. And I'm talking about fungus gnats, uh, root aphids, the whole nine yards. But I think it goes back to using quality materials. And I, but bag soil is because it's not stored right. So that when you get it, and it's, I see, I don't use bag soil. I mix everything from the ground up. And yes, it's extra steps, but those steps pay off over the term of the uh, grow, if you get my drift. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in exactly what you're saying. And I, you know, and I, I t we take it a step further a lot of times um, by um, creating a tea with the worm castings and actually using them as a spray insecticide, mm -hmm. which I found works incredibly, incredibly good. So, uh, yeah, right. I, I think... Yeah, but, the, but, you know, the problem is, is exactly what you're saying. I, and nothing against people who are using bagged soil, um, but how often do you go to the Home Depot, which you probably don't. I'm just picking a place. But yeah, the Home Depot, hmm? I buy a, I buy a bag of soil, and then you've got 50 grubs in it. You know, you've got, yep. you not only have grubs, then you've got... Yeah, it's, it's last year's soil on a ripped bag of pallets, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's always a well, cross-contamination I've actually of found, storage. like, pieces of Band-Aid and, like, Whole pieces of what would look like chopped, like two by four. Chopped children. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> They're shredding pallets for compost. So, uh, yeah. speaking of horrors in the soil, I do want to steer back to root aphids. The chat room is. is yeah, root aphids, root aphids. Okay. So, root aphids, we have found that uh, nematodes also work really great for root aphids. Um, at first, the recommendation was to only use the heterohabditis bacteriophora, um, which is, we, we call it the HB because, again, the Latin terms aren't the easiest for everyone. Um, and, but I have also, I have found in the past year, because unfortunately I think that the root aphid issue has come from bagged soil, uh, contaminated bagged soil that was sort of spread across the U.S., um, and and it, it it happened so rapidly that that's really the only thing I could come up with. But um, the the combination of the Steiner Nema feltiae and the Heterohabditis bacteriophora. So we recommend the two different species of nematodes because the Steiner Nema feltiae uh, sort of sits and waits. So if you think about the the Steiner Nema feltiae as like the goalie of a soccer team, it's sort of just waiting for the Heterohabditis bacteriophora, which are the players, to run the ball down. And so the the HB will actually chase after the root aphids and um, and destroy them, versus the SF, which sort of waits for them to round up near it and then it it attacks. So. Mm -hmm. um, 
we recommend definitely the, the two species of nematodes. And I don't know, I know, I don't know how large of an audience you guys have in Colorado, but unfortunately, I don't believe that Bavaria bassiana is on your list of approved ingredients uh, for use. But we recommend a combination of the the SFHB nematodes and uh, repeat soil drenches with Bavaria bassiana, which uses the um, it uses the name Botanigard or Mycotrol. Uh, are there any products that you guys carry that a soil manufacturer could work into their manufacturing process to ensure to their end customer that they're safer? Well, I mean, you could always do uh, the treatment of the nematodes before you start to bag soil. That's becoming a very common practice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they people are, are working right now to study the effects of the hypoaspis miles against root aphids. So, and there's actually another hypoaspis species, which is not available in the United States right now. It is currently available in Australia, but it actually moves much farther down in the soil than just the top two inches. So, uh, eventually that will be permitted to, to come to the United States. So, there will be, uh, you know, a sort of three-prong approach. Um, the, the, the issue, again, with these is... It not only it not only does it take time, but it, you have to keep up with it. So you have to use the top dosage, and you need to to soil drench, you know, every three mm-hmm. to five days for the first couple weeks. So, so still, you don't want to listen to some bro. You want to get the right information and do it right the first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and there is there is a lot of good information out there, and and what works for me may not work for you, um, but. But scientifically, you know what what we are saying is is proven. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's yeah. not like we just decided to make this stuff up. <laughs> well, and some of these things are like, for instance, if you take a health pill or a health tonic drink, it may not help if you're eating tre- cheeseburgers all day. But if you've got exactly. a solid prevention program, everything else is dialed yeah. in. You catch something super early, and you add a beneficial. I think you could win, and so it becomes a game of being a good grower, as well as knowing what tools are in your toolbox, as opposed to trying to fix everything after the fact. And I know a lot of guys that live their whole life like that. And as I grew up as an adult, I'm trying to live my life where I handle important things every day, not urgent things. I might, you know, my when I was a teenager, early twenties, every day was putting fires out. A bill I had to forgotten to pay. Somebody I forgot to call Yo, back. Oh, I and, know and, that feeling <laughs> all too well. Now I'm, now I'm trying to get over that, and it carries over in the garden, you could know. I, so, could I ask a question, uh, if you if you uh, don't mind about Kaidosan? Uh, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Kaidosan. It's uh, used as a pesticide. It's uh, based on chitinase, the enzyme. Right. I wondered if that would uh, negatively impact uh, these uh, organisms that you're providing in the subsoil, obviously. Not in the so, subsoil. I mean, in the so- in the soil, in the root zone. Excuse me. No, you're fine. Um, th- so uh, this is uh, this is questionable because I, we have since we're an insectary and we actually do produce insects here, we have an excess of chitin um, because we have all of the, the dead insects and that sort of stuff from, you know, that, that we're using as food and growing and that sort of stuff. So we use all of that and put it directly into a compost. Uh, we have done extensive study with the compost to find that um, it, it really, really works well at a soil level against parasitic nematodes. Now, the funny thing about that wow. is, is, yeah, with, but with the addition of with the addition of a of a beneficial bacteria i'm i'm 
pretty hooked on EM1. I'm sure other people have other, you know, other choices. But when I mix my compost tea, which is very chitin rich, with the EM1 and my beneficial nematodes, I'm, I still see high reproductive rates in my beneficial nematodes yeah. with great effect on the parasitic nematodes. So whatever the bacteria that the beneficial, or the beneficial nematodes are carrying, I don't necessarily see a decline oh. in their population. Okay. So well, again, it's interesting because the beneficials would be cannibals, right? Where the other ones would be eating organic material. Where? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, well, let me interject this because there's a little bit of misunderstanding. Chitin itself is a polysaccharide. It's a, for acetylformic glucosamine, and when bacteria primarily uh, try to degrade it, an enzyme is created called chitinase. And that enzyme deconstructs insect eggs, preventing the insect or the larva from maturing and then hatching. But what's fascinating is is that for the most part it leaves beneficials alone. And it's an area that scientists still haven't nailed down. But that's why I brought it up, because there's a commercial product made by using bacteria on crab meal mm-hmm. and from that they extract a commercial product called Kytosan. Right, uh, I'm looking at it now. Buy through. Like anyway, just, yeah, exactly. Well, chitin mm-hmm. is what they use to sew you up after surgery. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can... Famous, oh, yeah, anyway, the famous uh, man who discovered LSD, Dr. Albert Hoffman, Mm-hmm. He earned his uh, doctorate at the age of 22 by figuring out the molecular structure of chitin. It was a big deal at that time. But imagine 22 years old, and you're on the world stage as one of the top chemists uh, from a real university in uh, Germany. But anyway, that's the history. So it's an interesting area of study. But Kytosan might be a product that you could buy that would be uh, standardized to some degree, mm-hmm. and then be able to maybe use it. Uh, it might be uh, easier to use it in a testing environment, you know, against uh, reproduction rates and what have you. Just anyway, sorry. Well, and, and, and no, no, totally. Uh, but this leads to a very great point that the reason that uh, we see the the we'll call it the soft effect on uh, beneficials, specifically beneficial nematodes at the soil level, is because they're not actually laying eggs. um, Uh As opposed to, you know, so beneficial nematodes actually pierce Mm -hmm. through uh, either a spherical or the anus or an eye socket or some opening on the larval stage and release a bacteria which then starts to break down the inside of that insect. Once that happens, the beneficial nematode starts... To, to reproduce within an insect. So, uh, right. so, so when you think about on, in terms of beneficials, you think about parasitoids, which are depositing an egg inside of a pest. The, 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 that beneficial is developing within the pest insect. So again, there's no, there's, there's no eggs, there's no any of that around yeah, that for sense. the kind to break down. Right. So, so I mean, it, it, it does, sensibly it all works out, but... Um, you know, and for people that can't afford to do, you know, for the home growers that are, are thinking, you know, chitin sounds really great, go to, the, go to your trusted grow shop and get a bag of 
crab meal. I mean, crab meal is an inexpensive way, or if you're in the Pacific Northwest, go find somebody who's throwing out, you know, lobster crab shrimp shells and start breaking, you know, break that up and and put it into your soil. It's a really easy, cheap way to do it. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I live in, uh, well, maybe 10 miles from me is the second largest uh, processor of crab meal for agricultural... uh, in fact, they do one once a year when the shrimp season uh, goes in line with the tail end or beginning, whatever it is, the crab season. They do a crustacean meal, which is shrimp and crab. So the shrimp meal being thinner is more bioavailable, uh, or heightened within that uh, shrimp shell is more bioavailable, faster, whatever you want, how you phrase mm-hmm. it, than the uh, crab meal itself. So you get... <laughs> staggered uh, release over, release. Uh, you know, a year or two, actually. In a, I mean, you know how you know how growers are indoors. They think that every time they mix the soil, they got to start over, and, you know, we got to get all this stuff in there. And in agriculture, you might apply crab meal maybe once every two or three years. You know, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're completely obliterating your soil, you know, if you're heat treating it, if you're... I mean, but but even like a heat treatment or if you're doing like an industrial grade peroxygen treatment, because let's just, you know, you've got a fungus issue, you've got a pest issue, whatever it is. A lot of the things that are the, the remineralizers, the chitinase, those sort of things aren't necessarily going to be broken down and eliminated with those treatment. Yes, right. it'll kill fungus. Yes, right. it'll kill bacteria. Yes, it'll kill viruses. Yes, right. it'll kill bugs. But that doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, if you've got, let's say, azomite in there and you heat treat it, the azomite is still good the next time you use your soil. It's important to reestablish the living culture in your soil, but not necessarily those other products. So right, we have right, about exactly. 15 minutes left uh, before we wrap up. So I, I kind of was thinking it would be cool to go around to each of you uh, kind of backwards in order and get like a top three tips for people uh, looking to make some changes to their IPM program tweak it optimize it whatever so ariana you're kind of first on the heap let's uh let's start with you if you're looking at beneficial insects what are the top three generalists that you might bring in and what are like the as a preventative are? yeah preventative exactly yeah because that's what i'm interested in how do i prevent this from happening um well i mean my my let's see you know that's a kind of a tough thing because it, it all is based on your temperature your humidities your light cycles uh, but but really generalist, I think that first of all is healthy soil, healthy grow medium, healthy plant. Yeah, absolutely. None of the beneficials are going to do you any good if if you aren't considering the entire health of the plant. So I can't stress that enough. But um, I I'd say it, if it's anything but mites, I love green lacewings. Um, they they're just too slow for spider mites. Uh, I love my new pirate bugs. They kill for sport. Um, they're just they're just fun to watch and exciting and and they move quick and they like to eat and they like to kill uh, and beneficial nematodes without a doubt beneficial nematodes all day every day. Okay, that's awesome. <clears throat> can, uh, we, can we put together like the uh, Adam Dunn show package deal of for all three wants, of those? Yeah, Come on, let's, let's do that. Let's, <laughs> we is that can possible? Do that. <laughs> can we do that? Yeah, and I'll send you guys a quick reference guide that we've got too that you can if that if people want it we've got a a really great reference guide to pests and what the predators and, you know, from uh, generalist to specialist, all of that's on a two-sided sheet that we can get to everybody listening if they'd like that. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll okay. do that. 
I love that you're talking about healthy soil and crustacean meal and all this because uh, in our soil, we think it's pretty healthy, has worm castings and compost, and we put crustacean meal in there. So it's, it's, it's great to hear supportive evidence of all these things you've been thinking about. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll reinforce it all day. Let's uh, move along to uh, Mr. Clackamas Coot. Top three recommendations, sir, for uh, IPM programs, changes that people should make to optimize. Well, I can't agree more uh, to the, as uh, Stephen Colbert says, the truthiness of what uh, your guest had to say about soil health. That's where it begins and ends in my book. Uh, without belaboring the point, you can have all the saffron-rich materials and salicylic acid and everything else and if you have a bag of uh wally's uh, potting soil uh it ain't gonna happen so um put your money on the front end get the best that means uh get out craigslist and look for people selling worm castings and if you have to take your own bucket you're off to a good start uh versus something that's in a bag and then the other thing is um I'm a strong believer in, benef- I don't like that word, but predatory uh, insects. How's that? Uh, <laughs> strong believer. But to be honest, I, my main goal is to prevent getting to that point. And to that end, I stand by my use of neem meal, organic, or Karanja uh, meals in the soil, and a regular comprehensive spraying program that includes... Uh, potassium silicate, as well as aloe vera for the chitinase salicylic acid pathway dynamic. And then finally, um, just check your garden. You know, when people contact me online and say, well, you know, I walked in this morning and found webbing. Really? You think it just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Last night. <laughs> I mean, get real, you know. So, I mean, you know, it takes a little bit of, what do you want to call it, maturity and intestinal fortitude, I mean, to get off your butt. And, you know, you can't automate it. I don't care what the magazine said. You know, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. Anyway, into my rant. Neem oil, quality soil. And uh, attention to detail. That would be my uh, recommendation. And, they only got and eventually some price. gnarly barley, you know. <laughs> That's the barley one, because uh, the chitinase that's in the barley, I promise you, I promise yep. you, will reduce those uh, organisms that come from an egg, because the chitinase is immediately available, then you have the protease, as Jeremy uh, explained, and it's just, you know, not, there's no magic arrow or bullet. You've you got to have a quiver full of different tools, and I think... She would agree with me too. You know, it's a it's a it's a dynamic that you create. If you're looking for a specific organism, an insect, if you will, then you're going to be sadly uh, disappointed. I'm afraid you got to have it. You know, everybody's singing out the same hymn book. And there I you think go. We're going to have to do another episode as well to really discuss because you brought up aloe vera and the you know the plant's natural immunity system, the SAR system. Uh, to really lay right. it out in detail for people, it's, we obviously can't get into it now, but it, it's a topic that's worth exploring in some depth. I believe it is. I believe that some of the things that uh, have been worked on by Blue Jay, uh, Jeremy, uh, if I can include myself in that conversation, um, are important. And you add that with the uh, organisms that are available, the predatory ones, when a problem does arise, and then don't freak out, and you can get this thing back online. 
get the train moving down the right track kind of thing. Yes, sir. And then we'll move on to uh, Jeremy. Uh, Mr. Silva, top three. Yeah, I'll, I'll obviously reiterate a lot of what was said there. And hey, you got to come up with three new ones. Come on. Hey, I'll come up with the new ones. But, you know, when, when he mentioned going in your grow room, one of the things I hear a lot of people talk about is automating watering. And I'm totally for that on a, on a large scale, but one of the things that keeps me in my garden is hand-watering every single plant and spending some time inspecting all the leaves. And then I also force myself to get to that back corner where you know you don't normally look and crawling under there and making sure that everything looks good. And uh, So obviously, being very diligent and looking in there and not getting lazy with that is probably number one. Uh, IPM-wise, come up with a routine and make a commitment to yourself with ingredients that you like. Have them available so you're not, oh, I ran out of this. Oh, I don't, my sprayer's dirty. I'll do it tomorrow. Get everything dialed. Have a routine and do it the same day every single week so you don't deviate. And just know, hey, this is on the calendar. This is the day I'm going to do it. My timer's on. I'm going to be home. Bam, get her done. And I can't tell you how many times my friends say, I was going to do it last night and I got drunk and then my lights weren't on and I'll do it next week. And so if you can just get this routine in place, because integrated pest management is all about being disciplined and preventing things from happening, you can prevent it by covering the, the, the leaf with a pest spray, making sure you have healthy soil, implementing some other biological controls, and going from there. And so the other thing I wanted to mention is cleaning room in between time, vacuuming the carpet outside your grow tent, cleaning your greenhouse, all of these things like she mentioned about the area around the grow are super important. When you're done cleaning your grow room and now you've got soil all over the floor, finish that night by vacuuming it, you know, whatever it takes. So uh, those are the little things that are important. The next thing I wanted to make sure we had Ariana discuss was that uh, enzyme cleaning product she has and how it might be used in cleaning the grow tent or any of that stuff and maybe Perfect. even on Same pests. Way. Because that's it's super important to me to learn more about these enzymes. That, uh, these are the questions I'm asking myself right now. So, um, so the enzyme product we have is unfortunately a proprietary blend of enzymes, so I can't get into really what's in it. But the Dang it's it. labeled. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I I don't okay, actually okay. even know. I don't, <laughs> so um, that's how I know. all the enzyme products right now. I'm on the outs. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's actually labeled as a cleaning product. And, and, and I, as we talked about yesterday, Jeremy, I think that that's just because of cost of certifying it. Uh, it makes it easier to register it as a, cleaning, as a cleaner than it does as a pesticide. Um, but for years it was used as a pe pesticide, and it is my go-to um, because it, it's called Tweetment. Sorry, the product is called Tweetment. Um, it smells like mint chocolate chip ice cream, so it's absolutely delectable, and it works wonders. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, you usually use about three drops to a gallon of water, so it's cost-effective. Um, it's easy to use. You can wash your clothes with it also after you're done in the grow room. Um, but, but because of the enzymes, what it's doing is it's, it's basically stripping down the cuticle of the insect, if you will. So it's, it's el eliminating the possibility for them to retain moisture, for them to breathe properly, for them to reproduce, for them to feed. So, you know, and other products work that way. Uh, enzymes are not the only one, but, but this product specifically works incredibly uh, fast. It, it, the enzymes are so strong in it that, and, and you can also, boost up the, the mix rates if you want to. I just use the, the minimal because it works so well. But, um, but I definitely notice a difference with it within 24 to 48 hours. I mean, quicker than any of the, the other um, insecticidal soaps, you know. And, 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 and they're all, they're good, there are good ones. Um, but I have yet to find any issue with phytotoxicity using uh, the treatment 
which is surprising really? because yeah, because well, I don't talk to something that's happening with enzymes right now. So yeah, so and and it's typical. I mean, it is you know it it, it happens. Uh, it doesn't happen as frequently, but it does happen with potassium salts of fatty acids, which would be just a regular insecticidal soap um, and, and it happens with a lot of things because if you go into your room at the beginning of a, of a 12 hour light cycle and you absolutely douse the plants in water or spray or oil or anything you, you know you, you, you run the risk of that plant really being affected by it and um, and and you know, of course, I don't ever recommend going in in spring at the beginning of the light cycle. Always wait till the end of the light cycle to treat if you have to. But um, and I know that doesn't work in twenty four hours. But uh, but but doing it at the end and then letting the the enzymes work, especially when the lights are off, um, it, it it works great and and it smells great. And it, again, it if you initially if you're looking at it versus a, a product that's a potassium or potassium salts of fatty acid versus a treatment, the price will, will take you back a little bit. But if you consider that you're using less than an ounce per gallon, if you're using two or three drops per gallon, uh, it really is a cost-effective product and, and works for everybody. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's great. And, and a lot of the enzyme products are doing this, but I, it, that was what, is that what the Guardian product was? Uh, no, Guardian wasn't an enzyme-based. It was actually labeled as an essential oil with an emulsifier. Found oh, out right. they had a, de a deworming agent or something totally not what they listed on there added in that, that was handling the bugs. Um, so anyways, people were just really upset because they were being lied to. I think that had they been told that was in it, they would have done their own research, you know, obviously made their own decisions. So about that was really part of the like, challenge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where's it? Yeah, people, people are stocking up on it. Uh, but the other thing, too, is with these, um, there's a couple products out there that use enzymes. And I think the main difference, for instance, in your cleaning product and some of the others is they use some sort of sodium stabilizer, which may be in such a small amount it wouldn't affect the plant at all. But I know one of the claims from uh, the big-time exterminator, which we do offer to customers right now, is that it's more, it's designed around being on a plant as opposed to a cleaner. But like you said, some of that's in labeling, some of that's in design, all of that's proprietary. So that, because of that, it leaves a guy like me asking a lot of questions and wanting to learn more about enzymes because nobody will tell me what's in their bottle. So, Well, and so ours does contain a sodium product, but it's sodium borate. So it's borax. Yeah, and borate, borax are used, you know, in gardening. So Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, which, which also helps because you, you aren't going to get that incredible uh, salt buildup that we sometimes see from, uh, from products that are that are cool. sodium heavy, uh, so yeah, you you eliminate all of that, and and there is a surfactant, so it sticks well, it spreads well, uh, and then there's peppermint there's oil, mint, which is yeah. good for pests too. So which is also right, of course, if you're using any of the liquid right, lady. We're probably going to go to Arbico and buy a bottle after we get off the show. <laughs> I'm telling you though, I this is one of those products that I put into my laundry. I wash my floors with it. I treat my plants with it. I mean, if I could drink it, I would drink it. I, I just I use it for See, everything. It like Guardian. I'm out. I'm just yeah. <laughs> don't drink it. Don't drink it. it does sound too good to be true, which is what we just don't all went through with Guardian. So we oh. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get the test before anyone's gonna trust anything any new miraculous part product this soon after Guardian. I believe it, <laughs> but I've also been made a fool of before. Well, yep. here's the other thing. This isn't a new product. Uh, treatment's been on the treatment's been on the market for years and years and years and years. I, I had um, a guy come into my office yesterday, which is why I asked you, Anna. Coincidentally, yesterday I told him about bugs, and 
he's a guy that works with like national forests on bringing back predator wasps to remove the bark beetle. I mean, the guy's really smart. I like him. And he goes, you know, 10 years ago I was buying this tweetment and it was, it said it was for plants and now it's just a cleaner, but you ought to try it. So I asked you and you confirmed. So I know it's been around a while. Oh yeah, I think I think it's been around like maybe twenty years, twenty five years. Yeah, 20, he said really twenty years, but I did, I didn't yeah. believe him. So Arbico stands for what? Arizona Biological Company. Arizona Biological Control Company. Yep, out yep, here in okay. Tucson, Arizona. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and if people want to visit our website, it's arbico-organics.com. And we want to thank cool. you so much for coming on the show, especially on such short notice. That's. Yeah, Super, and like, too, a, a show like this without, I mean, I just told her, go to Adam Dunn's show. A lot of us <laughs> so have really your website secretly for, you know, but looking at stuff and saying, can we call them and tell them what we're using this stuff for, or is this, you know, are they really just working for nurseries and things like that? So it's it's really excellent to get you on the show in this context. I absolutely love it. Anytime, guys. Thank right you on. very, Thank much, you very so much, much for answering my questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Not a problem. Not a problem. Feel free to contact me anytime you need. Uh, All right, great. I'll be in contact, great. Ariana. We'll Bye-bye. Yeah, and we'll look for that uh, that two-sided sheet. You can actually email uh, info at adamdunshow.com or get in info. touch with Jeremy. Either way. Okay. All righty. I'll get it sent over. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Coot, always a pleasure to speak to you, sir. It's it's great to hear you doing well, and it's great to hear uh, that you're, you're still on the soapbox. Uh, it's inspiring. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, it's inspiring. It's <laughs> I wouldn't bring you on if you were just talking about boring plant stuff. Uh, we we don't let those yeah. people be guests. I like that old country character. preacher that. Yes, sir. You know, I like that old country preacher your mom used to force you to go listen to in the tent once a year. It's pretty much pretty, how yeah, I picture you. That's how you picture me. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. pretty much. All right, guys. Hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We thanks appreciate you. you See it. Bye bye. Hey, how much time do we have left? Are we wrapping up? Wrapping yeah, up. we're in wrap-up mode. We're at 2.59 right now. we got like 45 seconds a minute. <laughs> 45 seconds. You know, we're okay, I wanted to go over a couple things I forgot to mention if I have just like a last minute. <laughs> yeah, sure, do it. Jeremy's wrap-up corner. Yeah. Show, All right, man. cool. I had a whole bunch of things listed to talk about, and I forgot. I got all excited because I just I like talking about this stuff. But um, new with Build-A-Soil, um, I never do any advertising. Um, working with Adam Dunshaw is the only thing I've ever done for Build a Soil, and it's really changed our business, so I just really appreciate you guys. We appreciate you. But, Tell uh, Arbico that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, I will. Um, and I, I told her before that, that if she comes on the show, people will listen to it for a long time, because we really want more credible information in this industry. But at the end of the day, I've also got another person that I've been really excited to talk about online, and that's, you saw him chatting in here earlier, um, that, the Wolf. And he's got a show, he's going to be documenting Wolfie. some... Course. He's going to be documenting some grows, right? You guys talked about this, the 24-7 documentation of a live cannabis grow. Yeah. And why I got behind it, I'm really excited, is that he's wanting to teach people that may be disabled, have poor vision, in an area where there's laws and issues or plant number counts, always stay stocked in medicine for a low cost. And so we sent some soil, some earth boxes, a few things out to him to be part of that grow. And they're going to be documenting that. So I encourage you guys to go check out timeforhemp.com. It's not totally up right now, but if you go to the Grow tab in Gardens, you can find some of his other stuff. Um, besides that, she had mentioned EM1. Um, you know, it's something I'm learning a lot about. There's so much claims about EM1 that it's definitely interesting. So we bought a whole bunch. I've got it in stock, and I've always been doing the, you know, the Bokashi composting, but um, it's something that, you know, Coot's never been a huge fan of in some of my discussions with him. It's always intriguing for me to learn about stuff that are outside of how I've been taught. 
So we're, we're putting the EM1 product online uh, very soon here and the Bakashi and all that stuff. So if you guys want to try along with me and, and try this stuff, that's something new I'm working with. Other thing, uh, I'm working with ceramic metal halide lights. You guys ever mess around with any of those? Yes, totally yeah, we love me. them. Okay, I love it. I haven't flowered yet. I've just been vegging and things are just on point. The heat's really manageable. They're, you see it right away. But, uh, okay, cool. Well, I've been really happy with that. Um, but like I said, I have not finished the cycle. Still very new. Uh, the only other thing, obviously, gnarly barley coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm working with Coot to make sure we find all the best stuff on that. Dude, we're super excited um, about gnarly barley. Is there any way we can figure out some kind of gnarly barley giveaway to get testimony? Dude, we're going to do so Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do something together. Um, yeah. And I'll make sure to get you guys some. I've already got the product in stock. It just landed, and we're working on labeling and all that stuff. So I'll I be in touch really soon. I hope it comes really in a soon. beer bottle. I sincerely hope it comes <laughs> in a beer bottle. That would be epic. We're working on shelf stability and really getting these answers before we push it further forward. So once I have better information, I'll let you guys know about that. But that's really the update. Um, the other only new product that I've been working with lately a lot on top dress is alpaca. We've got a product with alpaca and neem called alpaca gold, and I seem to get a really that. good boost from top dressing. So I don't know if you guys got alpaca farms around your area, but fun you to do, play with actually, that. Actually, we so. have a lot. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So composted or fresh? Uh, you know, it's one of those things that they say is not hot, and so it's, you know, the stuff we get is aged, but um, it's not like a compost pile. It's just straight, they're little round berries of it, so. Interesting. Oh, it's like deer poop, like little berry style. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, berries. That's the, that's the good style. <laughs> Cherry berries. <laughs> some good shit. That's some uh, good shit. All right, buddy. Well, thank you, as always, for coming on and for uh, pulling together this amazing uh, cast for us today. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm glad. I'm going to have to listen to this one and go over all those Latin Arbico names again. So I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you guys next time. Always, dude. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. All right, bye. The kid finally did it. The show's over. Perfect timing. That was perfect. There was like a a victory. Victory is yours. You're the man, dude. Yeah, buddy. Yep. You want to do shout-out, kid? Might as well. Now that you're all wrap up, shout out. You're all we're, we're, we're like done, done. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We are Adam Dunn, done, done. <laughs> we're we're at three hours and three minutes. Go ahead. Hold on. Can I just say? <laughs> I really. Thought, I, don't know, I don't think you can say anything. I really dude. thought at first because I, I couldn't hear much. I didn't have the headphones on, so they could hear. I really thought she was trying to say treatment, but was saying tweetment. No. <laughs> I was losing. It's called tweet mint, <laughs> like mint. Well, I gotta put on a big tweetment. It is. So you, you only need one tweetment. I was like, you're kidding me. She's not really saying it like this. <laughs> and then when she said Tweetman has been around, I was like, oh, it's the name. It's tweetman. Tweetman. Oh, people want to know if we're doing a seed giveaway. What should we give away uh, seed for? We have to do something fun, though. It can't, like, last Where week we was hard. We don't have time. I don't know anybody with any We have plenty of time. Are you in a rush? Are you in a rush? All of a sudden, you got all the time in the world. Never, you're you're always want to finish the show, show early. What are you talking about? Now oh, shit. These guys all have seeds. Okay, oh, yeah. Homegrown Natural Wonders Tardis Seeds. Whammo. Now what are we going to do? How, do? how do they win them, Odie? <laughs> it's not my show. Okay, cool. fair enough. <laughs> um, how many days a year does Odie wear long pants? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dance. I mean, or Doctor on. Who. Or Doctor Who Seeds. Do you want to give a Doctor Who question? Uh, let me Doctor just say. Who oh, you question. know Doctor Who stuff? That's probably one of the most insane strains i've ever seen physically growing and i can't wait to make ash from that it's, it's absolutely fantastic. i mean the smell on it is insane it's trike covered from the top to the bottom and it's no larfy bullshit it's just cola cola 
Cola, it's insane. How, how is it? How is it? Big old, big old forearm cola, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's what happens when the fan hits into the shaking? <laughs> <sachet game? laughs> wait, close your close. Wait, no, close your put your put your tongue out. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for real though, I, I that's hell yeah. Fucking, it's really nice. I'm, okay, really so nice a pack of doctors. So apparently, Doom, it's good. Pack of Tardis. Uh, on the table for the first person who calls in with the answer to what question, Adam? Oh, man, I hate questions. Well, do something else then. Contest. <laughs> uh, who does the best impression yeah, so of... Be, we did impressions last impressions week. Impressions were good. You want to do impressions again? I well, mean, no, because you can Champ only do so many any. impressions. Champ, he, he doesn't want to do them. And today's... I'm, I'm all impressions. So what do you do? Now. If you don't do impressions, you got to do questions. Question you do from questions, show. impressions. Question something from that rhymes with it. Okay, something that rhymes with Im- impression or ingrat- question. You just have to say something. <laughs> <that rhymes. laughs> no, I don't. We could do like a word what? challenge. I don't know. Just, Doctor Who trivia question. The intern should be jumping in with all sorts of crazy ideas. because You got a Doctor Who trivia question? What year did Doctor Who start? There you go. Call in the number. And do we know? Google. Do you know? I do. Oh, good. Because otherwise we're like, great. I don't know. It's a lot older here we go, Bam 907 Cohen. That was quick. That was quick. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. You got an answer to the question? Hey. Hey. This is Buddha, and uh, I didn't hear it, but you cut out, but I can sing Elvis. No, we're not doing impressions, <laughs> but sing Elvis. Go do that, because I have other all seats. Right. Yeah, do I this. I do Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah, all it was actually a It was actually a suicide note left on a napkin, and this is it. Since my brother left me, I found a new place to dwell at the end of lonely street and heartbreak. God. Sorry, buddy. Oh, that man. wasn't worth a pack of beer. That was bad. <laughs> we do appreciate you calling. Ooh, thank you. That was awesome. It made me laugh. And we, yeah. Cut. But. The kid cut him off. The cane came out. What you should do is email me. Say Elvis. You know, info at adamdunshow.com. We are getting stickers printed soon. When we get them in, we will send you some Adam Dunn Show stickers. We got another one. Bring oh, him in. I kind of recognize these numbers. These are the same guys. Yeah, welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Who we got? Hey, we got Backwoods. 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 All right, what you got, buddy? You got the answer to our trivia question? 1963. 63. Got it. Odie. Odie said something. I thought it was 58. I'm Wikipedia. Oh, He's Wikipedia. He, he Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, bringing Whatever. somebody else onto the group call, but they can just you're just going to have to wait. 760, just hang on. We may have had a winner on the call before you, but we're checking right now. We don't even know the answer to the question. Double checking because And if they're wrong, don't say the right answer because there's somebody else on the line. I did find this history of Doctor yeah, Who. Is that right? That is correct. All right. We have a winner. We've seven, got our seven, winner. Six, oh, thanks for calling, man. Thank God for those computers. Um, so 207-216-3808. In, email info at adamdunshow.com. And what did they win, Mitch? Uh, Doctor Who. You, you want a pack of Doctor Who beans? Oh, yeah. I've actually wanted. I've been looking for these for a while. And it's just divine intervention. What can I say? Boom. Appreciate Perfect. 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 You're going to love them. We got them right there. We'll take care of that, brother. Email email info at adamdunshow.com. Uh, say Doctor Who. Remind us your name again, ma'am. Backwoods, man. Backwoods, Backwoods, where are you calling from, homie? The Backwoods. Maine. 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 Backwoods from Maine. All I'm right. Awesome, brother. Look so Thanks for listening in. Thanks Peace for playing. So Much love. Keep Cheers, it up. Pal. You too. Peace, Peace out.
All right, so we got a pack of the TARDIS too, right? All right, so what's the next what's question, the question for Matthew the TARDIS? I'm not, I'm, I'm not what does TARDIS stand for? Is that a good one? What does TARDIS stand for? Okay, so that's the new question. And if you call, call in. in with the old answer, you're going to get hung up on. What does TARDIS stand for? That's the question, right? Okay. There you go. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. You got the answer for the question. Oh, All yeah. right, what up? You got the answer to our question? You know the question now, or are you just, just bum-rushed the question? Well, well, was the question still what year did Dr. No, Star? No, no, we already did that one. Done that one. Now you're going to have to be quick. Oh, God, computer. Okay, what's the question? All right, what's the question? What does TARDIS stand for? TARDIS. TARDIS. Don't listen to the kid. This Smarties. For, for what, a pack does, of, what does Smarties no. mean? <laughs> this is for a pack of TARDIS, TARDIS. seeds. What does, what does stand TARDIS for? stand for in Doctor Who? We're going to give you 20 seconds. I got the timer here now. Ah, TARDIS. Okay. Um, man, fuck it. Give it to somebody else. Ah. Right. Thanks for calling in. Email us again. Say you tried and failed. Send us your address when we get Adam Dunn Show stickers. Again, this won't be for months, but when we do, we will get them out to you. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Who we got now? Who's that? Cop. 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 He's a- cool. Oh, crop! What's going on, crop? <laughs> He's like um, cops. What are you talking about? You got the answer to the question. Yes, TARDIS is time and relative dimension in space. Do you have the second answer too? What was the second answer or second question? No, 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 no. So there's another in in a different season. A different uh, definition was given. That is a correct answer. You won the pack, but okay. Oh, yeah, four, two, three, nine, I was giving you a bonus if you could say the second answer. Oh no! Yeah, bad people. No idea. <laughs> totally <laughs> radical. Everyone Google's at the same speed. That's what's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Look at all of them. They're all just like Google, 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 Google. <laughs> <laughs> and it's coming up more and more because more people are googling it. Some people are like, "What and does?" And somebody's sitting there going, "Oh my God, Tardis is getting hits like crazy, crazy. right now." Why is uh, it trending? All right, it's brother. Trending. Tardis is that fire. Where, so where are you calling from, Crop? California. California. Cool, man. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling Sorry, in. Sorry, everybody trying to call in. We Shoot have us the winner. email. We have a winner. Say it's you. Say TARDIS. Well, actually, I'm going to be at the Cup this weekend. Are you guys going to be there on Saturday? You'll be the the Cup. Cup. Oh, no. Next we're in weekend. Denver. Yeah, we'll we're going there. next weekend. Next weekend. Uh, bummer. Yeah, Bummer, bummer. City. Just hit us up. We'll, we'll Shoot us an email. We will link up, but... but uh, Definitely, definitely email info at Adam Dunshow with your with your info, and we'll take care of it. All right, I will do. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks for calling. Thanks for playing. All right, no more seats. No more seats. Close Skype. We already have a winner. Thanks. Bye. Close Skype. (laughs) (laughs) That person called like fucking ten times. I had to answer it. Skype is done. All right. Well, that was good. That was good. That was a good show, right? Nice show. A little really contest really last minute. Like you said, we all have to go back and listen to it again. It's one of those shows. Man. I can't wait. I, 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 <laughs> 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 hey, kid. <laughs> Don't you start. <laughs> Your job is to actually to go listen to them all. I, you know, and, and I do. And, I listen to uh, most of them. Yeah. I listen to most of them. Yeah, I do. Especially yeah. the organic episodes. Yeah, well, not the not Kyle so the intern. Good good your first, let's let Kyle the intern do start shout outs. I want to give him a basketball dab. Yeah. Uh, wait, are you going to throw wait, it and miss wait. for five minutes? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> this is another one of these like three-hour-long No, we're not, we, we don't have time for that. We, you can't do it first. How about after? How about you set that you up? You just keep asking questions. All right, give him a mic. 
There you go. Oh, don't burn yourself. Don't burn yourself. Ah, I'm not going to burn myself. Kyle, the intern, how was your first ride? It was good. Good. You didn't fall asleep. That was good. You passed he, the first. You're borderline though. He was kind of borderline. Yeah. He was. He was glassy eyed. You can tell he was going because he now understands that as being an intern, he needs to supply us with coffees and donuts and. Dude, your, that's yeah. A, oh yeah, yeah. Man, he knows. Yeah, we. I paid for the coffee yesterday. <laughs> objected yeah. to you paying because no, it was no, a. No, uh, it no, was no. a I don't mean he needs to pay for it. I'm just saying that now he understands that we just we just whenever we do a show, we don't none of us. I got a beer this time. That was the first time ever. No liquids, no nothing. Three this hours. This is bullshit. I offer you water and shit every single time you guys come here. I bottle water. He every often does. Time. He often every does. Every single time. I see. I see and then when you guys when we were at Green Labs and you guys wanted to go get brunch, I wasn't even invited. You'd go right next door Ooh. and get me both sandwiches with salty Adam. sandwiches. I got you know why? Because they'd be way too salty. With salty you, sandwiches. <laughs> what? That was it. Do the lost dabs. Dabs are on the ground right now. All right, all right. Intern Kyle, the intern. We're pleased to have you aboard, sir. You can give any shout out you'd like now. Go ahead, shout out. Shout out to all the friends and family. You know, are they listening today? Is that why the viewership is massive? Hopefully so. Oh, and it scores. There we go. They can see that win. Shoots and he scores. Score the first one. So yeah, champ. Get off mic. It's not as loud. Shoutouts. Regis. Yeah. Regis. Re- uh, yeah, I guess also Regis has been sitting in the audience quiet all show. No, he's he needed, he's, he's taking here. notes on the organ. Nobody here. Come on. Uh, shout out to my wonderful girlfriend, Brittany. Is that right. better? Yeah, there you go. You, you still use the full at the end though. It's oh Jesus good. Christ! <laughs> uh, my dogs, which you've all seen plenty of, and uh, shout out to all the listeners and everybody down at Dark Horse and AU Extracts. Um, in Denver, and uh, uh, yeah. let's uh, pick up stuff that uh, pick up some extracted rosin from Kind Love, Terrapin, really? a bunch of other places. Really? Girl Life. That's all you got. And and, and uh, our coming soon is and uh, from Endocana, and, and uh, uh, hopefully soon High Country Healing, Natural Mystics, Light Shade, big things. Big things. Check it out. Wow. Bop, bop. Mercury's yeah. not retrograde. And Bob anymore. Bob is how I follow that through. <laughs> Reggie's not in retrograde, and I got like crazy phone calls literally five minutes after it. No, you're all not. You're so happy all of a sudden, I heard. Yeah, yeah, and he believe, totally believes in Mercury retrograde. Now yeah, well, I'm a believer now. now <laughs> <I'm just laughs> it really happened. I didn't even know it was in retrograde. I feel like it's always. Mike over there, Odie. Yeah, guys. Shout outs, shout outs. Shout out to you guys to, for letting us come out. And yeah. Shout out to you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Shout out to you guys for driving all the way out just to sit in some folding Drive. chairs in the kids' living room. Well, Sunday's no, never been to fall. Boulder, so I would figure we need to make a day to Boulder so you could check yeah. it go out. Go to Boulder Wellness Center. Yep. Go do yeah, it. We'll have to go check that out. Hey, I was excited when I sat down here. I had no idea who, idea who was going to be on the show. When I saw the lineup, I was like, wow. And Clackamas, it was, there was really, really good stuff today. So, <laughs> Shout Wait, outs. You, you guys are doing a great job. You didn't know job. we were coming up, Thanks. Adam. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You said you, didn't, you had never been a bull. Where are you yeah. from right now? What? Where do, where we're do you, from Oregon. They're from Oregon. So you drove yeah. all the way here from Oregon. Oh, so you, no, you haven't ever met these guys? From Oregon and then, uh, you don't recognize these two guys. Mm-hmm. I kind of yeah. recognize him, but I don't recognize him. Have you guys met this guy? Nope. Yeah, see, suck a fucking dick, Mitch. And suck a dick, Adam. We haven't even met. (laughs) You talk to your mother with that? That's why we don't introduce you to people. You know know them. I'm like, no, I don't know these people. I've never met these people. Okay. It's weird to me. It's weird to me. What are we doing this weekend? 
right? Oh, we're doing the Indo Expo. Go gonna, do it. Good yeah. job, guys. Was, Who's going to be with us at the Indo Expo? Uh, Mr. Zoll. Uh, there awesome. we go. So I was. See, like, I, it's weird to me that you haven't met him, too. I had beer with him no. the other night. All right. So basically, we're going to give a shout out to Seeds Here Now, Seeds Here Now, Seeds Here Now. Seeds Here Now, 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 Seeds Here Now. If you say it three times in a mirror, he'll show up on James Bean shows up on you, which is bad. Yeah. What you need? <laughs> exactly, um, but no, he's uh, put together a panel for like, we're all on this panel. We're all on at the panel. Indo Expo, the Indo, where Expo. you can go for free if you have a card or a badge. If you're a if professional you're in the cannabis person. industry, pretty much free. in any way, I'm going to be there. You're in there free, and the kid's going to be there. I'm going to be on that same panel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. You're bringing your trophies, right? He got I'm his trophies I'm now. I only got two. I didn't even get like the first place trophy yet. What? What is does that? They're going to have to deliver. They're booking their forklift. You and Tanner, their can, the, um, you and Tanner can sit in the bitter zone of the. But uh, and then they come and they ask you like, "Oh, you want to advertise with us? Give us some money." It's like, dude, I the, your contest was a month ago. I haven't even got my trophy yet. There you, you go. About? Oh, I knew something. Anyway, so anyway, we are doing a breeders panel, and I will be there. And I don't know why I'll be there talking about breeding because you're just because I got to yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah really, are you really going to be on the panel? Why? Are you yes, there? I'm on the booked on the panel. Yeah. That's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah, it really. Is. I'm representing Dark Horse. Ah, there you go. Yeah. That's why I'm oh, there. Angles, angles, angles. Gotcha. Um, so that'll be pre- it's on Sunday at Saturday. Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. But the breeder panel is Sunday. Yeah, same Shit. last year we had the kids. Remember? Yeah, same deal. Oh, that's bad. Okay, no, but you know, you remember exactly how it was last. Year. I didn't realize you guys it was had to come year. home right. from the cup, right, right from Chalice like, right or whatever. Or, no, it was the Chalice is in fucking July. Yeah, that's when that's when the last one was that we did. Was uh, in July. Yeah, we and, had and you did it. You did an expo here then. Yes, yes. Indo Expo. Uh, they do them in July. Uh, uh, I was kind of hoping that uh, Josh uh, Stanley could speak after too. Right. Like last time, yeah, like like last last time. time. that was good. I was looking at the lineup and like, ooh. Do we have anyone else speaking after us today? This time, uh, it didn't look that way. Anyway, we're, we're, a lot we're, of we're, we're, we're just showstoppers. They can't. Yeah. They can't. They're, no they one. Can't, they were like, us. you know what? There's, there's no way to top these guys. Um, but that'll be interesting. It'll be the last day, so that's going to be. Uh, yeah, you'll have to. You have to. It'll be challenging. For it'll you. be challenging. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. I can watch Farron and Nick. You're yeah. creepy, though. And the He's dog. creepy. Creepy uncle. He's creepy. Why am I creepy? <laughs> creepy uncle guy. Because you've made creepy comments. 345. Yeah, exactly. 245 to 345. I said that. Everybody talks for like eight minutes and then we're out of there. I know. It's, it's, it. it's really going to be a boom, it's boom. It's really only an hour long. How many people hour, are there? Like 18. How many people are there? Too Talking? Yeah. Seven? <clears throat> six? Yeah, you guys get to talk for it's a game. panel though, so we just kind of. He talks the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't sit. We we basically do the show. These guys sit there. Yeah, that's their jobs. This confuse things, vapor pressure differential questions out out the door. Yeah, drop mic out. It's pretty much we have a program. You all experience. I need the next vapor pressure differential. I need the because it was mycorrhiza for a while. You could be like, well, and you don't that's, even know about mycorrhiza. Yeah, that's, like, that's, Whoa. Yeah, that, well, that was good. Yeah. That was like the flip. You like that? You know, that was my. Have you seen those kids? The CD flip deal. All right, ready. All right. Uh, shout out to my beautiful wife Cece and little Nick, who's got the sniffles and was a little Aww. sicky wicky. Oh, couldn't come out to, to the no uh, Boulder. Swim. No Boulder excursion today. No, no Boulder swim. Um, but hopefully he's feeling better because he's going to come with me. I'm taking him to the fucking Indo Expo again. No, to the thing today. I'm going to take him to the job. The fair. job fair. Yeah, I'm going to because I'm going to pimp the kid out. And that, you know how that you, you get a lot pimp of your kid out. 
you pretty much if you just have them there, you're gonna get all the oh my god, he's so cute, and then they're like, hey, what do you do? And then boom, like, no, it's icebreaker. He's he's a, he's, 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 he's the deal maker. You're sick kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the best part. The best part was. And the best part was that. Uh, yesterday, uh, Cece's like, yeah, what are we going to do? Because she's going to go check out schools today. And uh, so we needed, like, it was one of those crossovers where we're going to, how are we going to do it? And Carlos is like, oh, yeah, we'll take Nick for sure. Like, he was just like, right away, like, we are scoring. We have all the girls going to be around us. <laughs> like, she's like, wait a minute. This is not exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, no, we'll take, we'll take Nick. We'll take Nick. So, yeah, he's going to be all dressed up for the uh, job fair. So I did get an email from the TARDIS winner. <laughs> I do still need an email from uh, the Doctor Who winner. Please uh, email us at info at adamdunshow.com so I can get you these beans. Don't be late. Shouties. And, uh, well, like I said, shout out to, again, James Bean and all those guys for helping us out, setting this up for the weekend. And anybody who wants to come out, and to my to the guy who wrote me that thing, hopefully he'll, he'll oh, be yeah, there. Okay. He's going to be there. So we'll all meet him. And I'll get, you some car, I'll get you some parts for your bike. What do you got? What do you need? Farm people? Oh, I really don't need anything. You need everything. Look at I that. You can give me a new transmission. <laughs> That's all I need. No. But I'm not. How <laughs> <laughs> about no on that one? Go. Shout out to Ace? Oh, yeah, the farm. It's not the farm. The farm, all that. Yeah, all that farm stuff. It's all good. Shout out to my incredible wife, Reese. Uh, little kid O'Farron, who uh, picked up the tea kettle and was walking around with it like it was a heavy watering can. All morning. Nice. That's what, that was her little thing, like dropping it and trying to carry it. So that's she's preparing to carry a heavy watering can. That's on her own. I didn't show her that. That Good. was she was that was instinct. Instinct. That's, so that's what that's what I need to see. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Big week next week. We'll figure it out. Check the green lights. 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 Check